If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things episode 86. Very prepared here. Suns fan here with Sindarin, as always, and as he makes an obnoxious amount of noise. Our special <laughs> guest for today is the one and only Brax. Hello, sir. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, but there's also a Braxton Valorant, so I'm not the one and only, but I appreciate your introduction either way. Thank you. That is true. Every time we play Valorant, there's always questions about whether you're the actual Brax, but of course, that's at a much lower level, so they should already know that question if they're playing against us. So, um, so as you guys may or may not know, anytime we have a guest, we still do our Patreon shoutouts, which makes it more awkward for the guests, which I personally like. This part of the this is probably my favorite part of any episode. Uh, Cinderin, would you like to start us off with the in Bruges tier? Oh, look, the first one is Brax. No, it wasn't. Uh, okay, top down. Sam Davy. I guess that's a rename. Suns fan, don't listen to that other guy's trash can opinion. Sort of truth is phenomenal. I can send you the book for free via. Wait, hold on before we go on, because Brax is a book god. Sort of truth. Have you seen it, Brax? No. Okay, go on. What do you mean, seen it? Or uh, what? Read it. Continue. He's such a book god. He just needs to look at the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the cover? (laughs) Uh, Shakar Boyko Boyko Ustav Kamutro Fab Daddy the Mega Pope Tins Ti in New Zealand Zan Xavier Suns fan Pudge Omega Law. Nate Thicko, 01 Hamscroats, brother to the great OG Jesticles Hamscroats. Bacon, no, not that bacon, the other bacon. Creating mass hysteria by announcing to my whole family that I have a Justin Bieber poster stuck in my ass. Lick, Shark TM, and freshly seasoned goat balls. I love how Brax's demeanor hasn't changed once <laughs> since we've started this. Also, thank this. you. We're not done yet. Also, thank you to the Ben Jackson and Ben Broomhead Alliance, Novi Panda, Dop, Polish title of In Bruges translates to First Shoot, Then Explore, Fane, Underscore Man. The Ben Alliance's new campaign is to lobby for an In Bruges Suns fan center and commentary podcast episode, and we need your help. Pitch Black, Would an Aftertaste, Dun Talk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous, Peter, it's pronounced Nibling. Nibling. See, I the way... So he put he wrote this with a bunch of eyes. I, the, I think it's Nibling. I'm pretty sure now. But oh wait, we can true. wait to confirm. Because he wants you to. He's expecting you to read it out. Right? Yes. So if, if he uh. wanted me, he would have put a bunch of e's. And then Ronnie Keel, thank you everybody so much. Uh, we appreciate your support. Okay, Brax, and back also to you. Cha- and also change will happen. Who you missed somehow? I thought you special said special shout that. out. Okay, change special shout out to him. Don't forget, change will happen. So Brax. Okay. As per norm, the beginning of the episode, aside from uh, what you just witnessed, we do a little rapid-fire initiation where I give you two options, and you choose it. 
You choose which one you want. You don't think about it, okay? I know you like to think and ponder, but you don't. You just say it, okay? okay? I'll try my best. All right. Godzilla or Jabba the Hutt? Jabba the Hutt. Stormlight Archives or The Cradle? Cradle. Taco Bell or Jack in the Box? Taco Bell. Cake or pie? Pie. Wow. Close to being at a respectable score, but you really fucked it up towards the end there. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, you used to work back in the day at Jack and the Box. Is that why you don't like Jack anymore? Yeah, it's been ruined <laughs> for me for life. That's a real, real crying shame. Okay. So for those that have never watched a guest episode, we typically just talk about the guest and their life, and then we transition it to kind of, especially for this week, topics that have arised uh, this last week, which are going to be very interesting to talk about with Mr. Brax himself. Uh, so tell me, Brax, well, tell everybody, who are you, first of all? Who the hell are we talking to? All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Brax. I am... 26 years old and i play dota 2 and i've been playing for an extremely long time um i played dota 1 since i was like probably nine or ten years old back when i was on ghost gamers done it downloading Syndrome replays and oh, watching all the ago. goats of dota like uh shannon you probably weren't around this long so you don't know how it was back in the day but you'd have to go to ghostgamers.net for all your dota news back then mm-hmm. download the replays and Syndrome used to play on a team called the shit and That's true. <laughs> on Ghost of Gamers, it's like they're like YouTube comments basically. People leave all this shit. So at the end of every single game, the first comment is always Cinderin is, and then it's blanked out, and you have to click for the spoiler. And if they won, it would say the shit. And if he lost, it would say is shit every <laughs> single time. <laughs> that's incredible. What are you talking? I don't talking? remember this actually. <laughs> I don't remember this, but that's a really good story. I mean, you could have literally it made that up. It always said the shit, Shannon. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. I mean, okay, how long did you... Well, okay, before we get to Dota stuff, tell me about your early life where you grew up, you know, games you played to transition into the eventual Dota one. Okay, sure. So um, I grew up in Southern California. Um, By the way, great background. We we have to mention at some point. Your room looks great. Thank you. Wonderful. This this isn't my room. I'm still stuck in the team No Puppy Eternal Envy dungeon at the moment. (laughs) Hopefully, if I stream enough hours, he'll let me out. Okay. Um, I earned some water today for streaming for about six hours, so we're alive still. It's good. Well done, well done. Nice. Thanks. So yeah, like when I was eight, uh, I saw my friend was playing Warcraft 3 at his house one day, and he had he had a bunch of older brothers, so that's how he got into it, and I got into it in the same way. And um, my computer wasn't good enough to play Dota. I could only play the shitty custom games like Footman Frenzy, Halo Footies, uh, what was it, the the sheep one? Sheep tag. Sheep tag. Oh. Yeah. And then I, I thought I was so smart because I was like nine years old. And I, I saw some guy jump. You know, he boxes himself in and then he builds on top of himself so he can like displace himself and jump over a wall to get away real quick. And once I saw that technique, I was like, this is the best game ever. But I was wrong because <laughs> that's Dota. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much since then, I've always played games, I guess. And I've played tons and tons of games i played sports back when i was in high school and junior high and i guess even younger than that what so i was always very competitive baseball Baseball. one of the most interesting sports of all time of course one of the best to watch too let's of course cinder probably doesn't know what baseball is but uh between you and me brax uh (laughs) playing it like back in the day when i played like t-ball and stuff like that it's very fun 
to play. Mm-hmm. But watching it is beyond miserable. Would you agree with that assessment? So when I actually, it's not fair to say that because like if you actually played it and then watch it, it was more interesting, right? Because you thought like you know blah 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 was the best, or you were a fan of so and so. But uh, it's like if I watch basketball, like I, I just wouldn't be interested. Like just really tall dudes throwing a ball through hoop. What, what's where's the hype in that? Who actually cares? Oh I thought you were gonna God. say, well, if you played it, you would understand more of like the strategic intricacies or something. But you were just like, if you played it, you would know the players at least. So that's great. Yeah, that's that's the fascinating. So you're saying the reason that I like to watch basketball is because I was a god at playing basketball as a kid. That's what you're saying. No, 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 oh. no, no compliments. You're definitely oh, okay. tooting your own horn there. Did you play I, Shannon? I scored 52 points in a game once, literally. 11 threes in one game by against yours Against, like, some elementary school kids or something? It was actually college. against a varsity kid, and I didn't make the team somehow. It was rigged. Oh. <laughs> anyway, back to your story. So you played a bunch of Dota 1. Well, you said you started with Warcraft 3. How did you transition to Dota 1 exactly? Um, so back then, uh, you had to download the game through getdota.com. Because mm-hmm. people wouldn't let you download in the game. First, they thought you were a noob. And second of all, it took a really long time for a lot of people. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, if you ever tried to sneak into a Dota All-Stars APEM, no noobs allowed, and they saw you downloading, uh-uh, it's not going to work. <laughs> they're, they're kicking your dumb ass out of there. Yeah, I and, uh, It took me like two years or something, and I finally found a room that was like... Uh, <laughs> you finally downloaded that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't know how to download this map. You had to drag it into your Warcraft 3 map folder and all this garbage. It was way too complicated for me back then. So I found an AFK host, and their title said AFK for the night. Feel free to download. And there were... See, this isn't just a me problem. There were tons of noobs in there downloading, too. (laughs) And I was amazed by how many people have been just gated out of Dota because they <laughs> didn't know how to download the map. So I just sat there and looked at all these names and I was like I started messaging people, hey you guys want to play? It's my first time too. And they all told me just to piss off because it actually wasn't their first time either. They were just too lazy to download the map. So then I was just like there's no winning here I guess. I'm just I'm just the loser forever. So the new player but, uh, experience actually was worse at some point. <laughs> yeah, you actually couldn't even get in the game at some point. <laughs> Oh, that's actually amazing. Valve did so much for the new player experience. When you so you, they did. you they finally did. downloaded Dota 1. Yeah, and so then it what? took a couple years. Yeah. And then I finally tried my first game. And of course, I sat there looking at the recipes like every new player does. And they're mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, this item gives me so many stats for only 600 gold. And I'm sitting there looking at the, the stupid recipe for 25 minutes trying to figure out how to build the Bracer. Because mm-hmm. Bracer gave the, you know, these stats are, it's pretty value for 600 if I can just buy the recipe. And so I'm the noob that just walked around with six recipes the entire game. And of course, everyone flames you. And then some of these hosts were map hacking so they could kick you. <laughs> and once they saw me walking around with recipes, I would always get kicked. But I, I thought it was yeah. just my internet going out. But I later, you know, a couple of years down there, figured out that that's what was actually going on. Yeah, makes so. sense rough stuff yeah i remember early dota days uh, i was lucky enough to have somebody to teach me kind of even though i was really horrible i remember like troll warlord basher i guess that is a thing again it was not a thing for a long time though but back then it was sny venomancer it it was really hard i mean coming from warcraft 3 i remember the first thing i struggled with was that heroes just felt way weaker i was used to like warcraft 3 the heroes are so tanky you can 
pretty much go into any situation, yep. not really have issue of dying, but like towers just destroy you instantly. You learn pretty fast though, uh, through trials and tribulations. Anyway, okay. So how did that transition forward for you, gaming wise? So I think um, I was in junior high at the time, and I actually played with like uh, I played with some real life friends, and they asked me over the summer for one to play in some tournaments, and we would play some because we would always play together at some point. And uh, we started playing in some tournaments. We got our asses beat big time by pretty much everybody. There was a super popular, well, I don't know how popular, but like back then they were cool, I guess. They were one of the teams that were actually competing in like the top of the SEVO leagues and all that stuff that was, that was like the only tournament back then for North America. SIVO. But uh, yeah. they were they're called High to You. And my friend thought it was really, really cool if we copied their name. We were GG to You. And that was like our... Uh, you know, that's like our, our, our saying at the end of the game. You know, that's our, we got them good. That's GG to you, noobs. You know, just, nice. just crap like that. Nice. Nice zinger. Uh, that's where I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then. You would, Shannon. I, I mean, coming from a team called The Shit. I mean, come on. You can't yeah, speak. GG to you on that name. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go from. So it's more casual from a Dota 1 perspective, right? Yeah, for sure. It was all just about trying to be the best and, you know, try to beat those guys that you couldn't beat previously because that was the fun in it. Nobody thought that it would ever turn into anything crazy. Right. You know, the Sevo prize pool was like, I don't know, it was like a hundred bucks your first place. You'd get a pizza. You know, that's that's your big, that's your tournament winning right there for six months. You get a pizza. That sounds good. Worth as a high school kid. Worth. Um. Okay, so talk to me about Han and or League of Legends, whichever one you want to take first. Okay, so um, Han was out for like three or so years in between Dota 1 and Dota 2, correct? I don't know the exact time frame, but it's somewhere two years, around there. I think. Two, two years. years. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what happened, but I stopped playing Dota for a little while. I don't know if it was because of real life, because of school or any of that stuff. I actually can't remember. But um I eventually got into Han and it was actually so hard to get into because it had a paywall. And like the only game I had ever bought online before that was I think Diablo three? Or maybe that was after Han. I don't actually remember, but yeah, that was like it was a after Han, yeah. Okay, it was after. That was a big deal for me because I was like, shit, how do I how do I pay for this? So you know, you how do I convince Did you play in the beta I can't... in Han? I'm trying no, to remember. I did not. Okay, so I don't think it was pay. Okay, so you, you played it after it officially came out. Came out. It was like thirty bucks oh. then or something, right? Oh, I, I might have played the beta, because uh, you're right. It was pay afterwards. Right. Although I'm trying to remember okay. if I paid for the beta. I can't. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm just going down memory lane here. So here's yeah. of New Earth. How does it compare to Dotes? Once we start talking about Han, you start going oh, down memory dude. lane thinking about all the good times that weren't really good times. You just remember them <laughs> as good times because that's what yeah. our brains do. But, you know, that's okay. True. I understand. It's probably true. So I uh, started playing Han. I think I was like 16 at the time. And it was a lot of fun. Played with a lot of Dota 1 friends. And the netcode and the delay. Because Warcraft 3 had like a natural like 150 uh, MS to it or something. Even if you were playing like on... A, you know a server nearby like you there was still very very noticeable delays so playing han was completely different Ooh. like uh heroes didn't have turn rates at all so like you would miss simple spells like beastmaster axes just because some dude could 360 instantly like 
all these spells became so much more difficult to hit for mm-hmm. just that reason, honestly. And then uh, you could blink without turning at all. So, you know, people would be blinking backwards, and you, you actually wouldn't be able to tell where they went if they blinked into trees, because obviously it's like Pangler, there's no direction at all. Oh, so good. But, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that. Yeah. He talks, okay, first of all, you would, if Ice Frog implemented all of this stuff, everyone would love it. It would take a week of complaints, and then everyone so, would love actually. it. 100%, Brax. Especially mana Zero bars. turn rate on all heroes. You do realize how much you need to rebalance the game then, right? Yes, you do need to re I don't disagree. I'm just saying it can be done. Zeus anyway. and Lena in Han were top heroes because they had good animations. Like, you would just walk up and Lena stun someone. No Yule setup. You would oh, just Lena stun them. So good. Zeus would be getting every single last hit with his auto attack. And he was even cooler because he was a monkey in that game. <laughs> they did something. Oh, that's why Shannon likes the game. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean... They're, they yeah, turn yeah. Lena into a dude. They turn CM into a glacier. Could frostbite themselves and teammates, which is similar to what she can do now with the shard. So mm-hmm. they take inspiration all the time. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's just that in Han it was broken because you didn't even need to pay for it. Is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So continue on. Finish up the the heroes of New Earth. Okay. Anyways, even uh, I so want to talk about it all day. Han was tons of fun. They had some super cool heroes and ideas like Chipper. They had Gauntlet. Oh. They had basically 15 different versions of Tiny. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome, right? Everyone's just blowing Deadwood. each other up everywhere. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Deadwood. Deadwood is basically had Finger of Death that mainly range that stunned you. Like They had all sorts of bullshit that was just cool to blow people up with. So that was a lot of fun. And I played in some tournaments and all that stuff and you know played a whole bunch of Han for however long that was and then uh eventually dota 2 came out but what happened was in my like i guess group of friends and people i play with at the time um there was only like 15 or 20 beta keys and someone you know i'm not gonna name any names here because of uh to this day you know i'm still not over it they gave my beta key away to someone because I was away at baseball practice. <laughs> I wasn't there to claim it, but mm. I was told I had one with my name on it. And uh, I missed out on like two or three months of Dota oh. 2 access because of that. And it was heartbreaking because everyone I played with quit. Everyone immediately stopped talking to me because they're only talking about <laughs> Dota 2 things. And it was just me with the other rejects still playing uh. Heroes of New Earth. And that's so. the last time you exercised, probably. You learned your lesson not to be a baseball probably. practice. Probably. Okay, so you eventually, so you get in like three months later. I didn't know that actually, because I, so I got in at like, I just remember it's like late August, early September. So you're talking about December, January of yes, 2011? It, it was a couple months after um, that Brutal. same group got it, basically. Cinder, do so. you remember when you got your beta key? Uh, I mean, I you think... got early access, right? I think two weeks before TI. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. That's yeah, it. Most of the most Holy of the teams shit. didn't have. We didn't have access to the game for that long before. Maybe it was a month. Like maybe I remember it incorrectly. But we didn't get to play it for that long before TI happened. I think. Huh. Was okay. it? Interesting. Whatever. It was something like that. It was a short time, and supposedly the teams or the, all the players didn't get them at the same time. So some players has had 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 more time with the game than others. <laughs> wow. Uh, going into the first TI. Which, Do you know who had more time? With the, was it Navi? Did they have more time than everybody else? I think Navi were some of the players that had the most time. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else did. 
they definitely come to mind, but I'm not 100% sure. And I don't know by how much they did, if they had like not, 20% more time or Not to go off on a tangent, but I'm just interested since we've never actually talked about this. Before that first TI, how would you play mm-hmm. games? Like the matchmaking with 20 people? I mean, it's just like playing Artifact these days, I guess, but back yeah. then. I mean, right when we got the key, we were just queuing in the game, right? I don't know what the population was. If it was like 100 people playing at any given time or like 50. So mm-hmm. you'd have to wait a while to get a game. And then scrims were like organized kind of like in Dota 1, right? In Dota 1, I think we would usually find scrims on IRC, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and then when we transitioned to Dota 2, I think we still found the scrims on IRC for a while before there was like a, a different structure with i think skype eventually took over and now it's discord um but yeah scrimming was just you talk to the other team you would go in and you would play a regular game of captain's mode so that wasn't really any different once you got to scrimming Um, i see okay but yeah okay so you finally get access how do you become a professional player because we'll i want to talk about after this your first team well your first big team lgd int okay so I played competitive Dota, like even in Dota 1 with the, I guess, upper tier North American players at the time, like uh, Bulba, Korok, Paint of Gold, a lot of these guys. And it always carried over, I guess, because I'm always playing against also pretty decent competition at the time. Mm. So like, I'm not like a stranger at all to the scene, I guess, whatever you want to call it. So um, the very first team I played was actually Quanta Gaming. Um, it was me, a guy named Mikey, who's a North American guy, uh, Matrim, a Swedish guy. Sindarin might remember his name from, from way back when, or maybe he's got the memory of a goldfish. I'm not actually sure if you're just... <laughs> no, I don't nodding. remember my teammates at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was Korok and Paint of Gold. And that was the very first team. And, you know, back then, uh, the defense was the biggest tournament. Yeah. And it took like six or seven months. And... You would play from NA to Europe. Like I remember playing Navi at some ungodly hour, and of course Navi had, you know, there's a lot of favoritism going on back in the day. Still is a little <laughs> back bit, in the it day. Was, quote it was more extreme back then. And uh, if you played against Navi, you were playing again. You were playing every server or every game on Europe server. If you were uh, North American, no wonder they uh, were so good be... that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they were also just good to begin with, but. It was like that back then, and uh, we actually managed to beat them. I think it was 2-1 on Europe server on all three games, and for us, that was, you know, it, it's a meaningless victory, but in your mind at the time, you think, we just beat Navi, no way, you know, it, it's mm. something amazing. But, uh, yeah, that, that was like my first actual team, I guess, and then as the scene developed, this is around TI2, so we have like a frame of reference here for timeline. So that was around that time. Uh, we didn't end up getting invited. It was EG and Complexity from NA at the time. And I think Complexity got top eight and EG bombed out because they still sucked until the PPD era, pretty much TI5 or TI4. So they TI finally got stuff. rid of Demon. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and uh, Harsh. <laughs> yeah, some, some hate there, huh? <laughs> eh, not really. But uh, yeah, and then afterwards it eventually turned into... Actually, let me backtrack a little bit, because I was playing League of Legends at the time. Mm. This was right when... Uh, so in between when I didn't have a Dota 2 beta key, and I was still playing Han, Han was dying quickly. They were adding new heroes just every other week, and they were horribly imbalanced. And the developers would actually talk to the competitive players. Um, it was Dog Kaiser. He was an old 
competitive Dota player. He was in charge of that department. And he would hop on Ventrilo, that's what it was back in the day, onto the, the Haunt server. And he'd pretty much start asking the players, like, oh, what do you think of, you know, X, Y, and Z? And every player would say, it's complete bullshit. Like, this is the most imbalanced piece of shit I've ever seen. It completely breaks the game. And it's a common trend with every single new released hero. And he pretty much told everyone to fuck off. <laughs> and that he gets to design everything, and they just have to suck it up. And that's just how it's going to be. So, you know, once people heard that, they're kind of, you know, not too enthusiastic about trying to communicate with S2 anymore. Yeah, they, they went down. I mean, Ice Frog leaving didn't help, obviously, but they started making a lot of hires and making some horrendous decisions pretty consistently. Like, not even, like, decisions that everybody, nobody seemed to like. Like, nobody in the community, like, on the forums. It was it was a downward spiral. But, yeah, it took me three months. Even though I had access, it took me three months to make the full switch because Dota 2 felt horrible. The netcode was complete dog yeah. shit. Remember, I That's brought fair. this up on the... I brought this up before, but Ice Frog wanted a. I was talking to somebody about this, uh, and he was telling me, "Oh, Ice Frog wants somebody to make a video comparing Han with Dota 2 and the the netcode and stuff like that." So I made that, and then I released it publicly instead of just uh -oh. sending it privately. <laughs> but then within a week, it was fixed. Well, for the most part, uh, obviously there's still a little bit more delay, but it was much much better, and that's when I. Finally made the switch. Anyway. And since then, Ice Frog has hated you. So yeah, That's right. That's right. my guts. Yeah. So, Unlucky. LGD Int. How did you get so you, from wait, Quantic wait, wait, Gaming? Not, we we got to backtrack stuff. Okay, backtrack it. Backtrack it. Yeah, so right when Han was dying was when I started playing League. Like a All whole right. bunch of people that were playing Han with him that didn't get Dota Ps were uh, playing League, so we started playing. And uh, I actually, I was playing that competitively before their whole thing blew up and they had LCS and all this stuff. Back then, they had like one tournament a year. It was uh, Intel, IEM, Masters, something, something. But uh, I played competitive uh, for like maybe seven months or so. And I was, you know, relatively high rated. And it was actually kind of fun. What rank, Brax? You sent me a picture. You, you can say it. What rank were you? Um, so in that screenshot, I was like rank 19 in December or something. But in season two, I peaked at rank three. Wow. But, uh, Honestly, it was mostly because like a lot of the players that played that game had really poor mechanics in comparison mm -hmm. to somebody who's played like uh, a MOBA game for a while. Like that was like the biggest factor, I guess, as to why I was decent at it in the beginning. But um, you know, people get better over time, all that good stuff. So when I joined Quantic, I pretty much had to make a decision between splitting my time and I. I had to commit because um. Korok asked me multiple times to play, and at some point I was just like, all right, whatever, you know, I'll actually commit and see what happens, and hopefully good things happen. And it looks like, you know, I can confidently say years later I made the wrong choice, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the journey's not over yet. Journey before destination, my friend. Um, exactly, exactly. I mean, I, maybe we'll talk about this a bit later, maybe not, but we've talked in the past about the discrepancy between league uh, sanctioned players or their salaries versus Dota 2, especially Tier 2 and below, and it's astronomically different, the the difference. Yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, you chose... I mean, I can't blame you, though. D like, Did you prefer Dota as just playing-wise, or is it more... I mean, I remember Korok from Han. He was, like, the fucking guy for the most part. He was, like, one of the best mids in the world, 
he would destroy everybody. And then early in Dota 2, he was also that guy. So was that more of a factor, or was it you just prefer the game? Uh, I definitely still preferred Dota. It was something new and something fun to play and something to just learn. Because I, I like learning new things, and I think that's probably one of the big things that keeps me playing Dota, because there's always something new to learn. Uh, even though it may get more and more difficult to to find something truly interesting like that. But I just enjoyed the game more. So that's why I went with it, and I had lots of people trying to sway me in the wrong direction to play Dota, and eventually I fell for it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't regret it. Um, so yeah, now we can actually go to the LGD and stuff. This is around, this is TI3. So this is after TI2. Um, at TI2, PyCat and Misery talked to Ruru, who was the owner of LGD at the time. I don't know if she still is. I, I have no idea. I'm just saying that because that's all I know. And they were looking for people to go to China and play at their team house and play under their name. And at first, I'm pretty sure I only ended up on the team because, you know, maybe eight other people on the list all said no before because <laughs> none of them wanted to go to China. China <laughs> no way. Not going to China. Uh-uh. Definitely not. This can't even be real. This must be fake. And uh, I guess I was dumb enough to accept because that's where I ended up. So yeah, that's how that began. And how was that experience? Because I, I just remember that, it, it I don't know, it's one of those things where it was just so fascinating, fascinating even at that time for me as just, I wasn't even casting, I don't think. I can't remember actually. It was like, you said that was before TI3, right? So I don't know if I was officially yeah, yeah. casting or anything like that, but it's just so fascinating to see a Western team go to China and at first, you guys did well. And then, if I remember the story right, Misery kept picking Chen every game, and it was finally countered every game. and just couldn't play anymore. Is that <laughs> Does that about sum things up? There was definitely a different meta shift, and they had no idea how to play against Chen and Enchantress, and Misery was super, super well-practiced at these heroes. So we pretty much won every single game with these heroes for, like, three months straight. And then uh, we get to the... So this is something I'm still, like... It doesn't make any sense to me. So what happened is this is G League. This is the whole thing with the uh, you know the whole the whole no 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 thing and the whole you know fourteen thirty seven brushing his shoulders off and all that. You know what I'm talking about the the video. Classic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the godlike intros is so good. Yeah, you've got you've got Pycat with his finger guns. You've got G, you know, cutting the neck, all that good stuff. But um, what ended up happening is. It was at the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Shanghai, and for the the grand final, in between, like for the grand finals, there was like a two-month break because of Chinese New Year. Have you guys ever heard of a tournament two taking a two-month break? Yeah. Yeah. So absurd. we all went home, didn't practice <laughs> at all, because we have two in A, one Russian, and you know, two more in Europe. Like it, it just it just wouldn't work. Mm. We tried, and then we all just ended up getting so frustrated because of. Uh, ping that it wasn't worth it and uh yeah and we came back played our first couple games together got completely destroyed and that was that <laughs> they spent two months theory crafting how to beat Chen and enchantress and uh we're out of <laughs> strategies you know we, we know what's next <laughs> wow well overall are you glad that you like how was the experience i'm interested i've never actually talked to you about this okay so the experience was overall really good. I was 18 at the time. I just graduated high school. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing with my life at the time. I was in community college because I I didn't want to commit to something that I didn't want to do. 
So I didn't even apply to go to any universities or anything like that. I, I just, I was actually completely lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do, so I just wanted to try to take some time to figure that out. Then I got this opportunity to go to China, so that was amazing. Um, it's probably like the single year where I feel like I grew up the most. I got to experience tons of different things. Uh, culture, super different, of course. All sorts of different foods. Um, overall, very good. It was very good for me, for sure. That was a... It was a special thing back then. I remember, like, this has become more normal with boot camps and stuff, but um, it's something that China has always done way more than Western teams or the Western scene in general is have this whole team house thing, in Dota, that is, that the players actually live together. And it's not just you're there for a week, you boot camp, you play your tournament, and then you go home, where the West still kind of does that for the most part, like two weeks to a month boot camp for big tournaments. Yep. Do you think... Do you think the Chinese model of having, let's say, the players live there for like six months in a row, play, practice, spend time together outside of the game, do you think that is not applicable in the West or is not desirable? Because I don't know of a single team that does it in Dota. In other games, they do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is actually a really interesting topic because like, that's like an Eastern mentality thing, right? To like sit and like truly grind forever and ever and to put everything they have into something. And Western mentality... I'm going to be honest, we're pretty lazy, you know, <laughs> Americans kind of don't care. They kind of just, you know, deal with things as they are. And there's like a really, they, we had to adopt that mentality when we were there. We were required to play for 12 hours a day. Um, eight of it was eight hours for scrims and then four hours to either play pubs or watch replays or keep scrimming if you wanted to, but they were actual requirements. And if we didn't fulfill them, we would get fined. If we weren't at our computer at a certain time before our practices would start to actually get ready and warm up and talk about things, we would get fined. Mm -hmm. So I think if it works for you, if you're able to do it without losing your mind somewhere along the way or hating each other because of the constant interaction with each other, I think it's really helpful for new teams. But I think for your more established teams, like your team secrets and all that, I think it doesn't do them enough good. I think that they've already established all these skills that you're going to acquire from doing all these things. And for them, it's better to just warm up and be ready for the tournament. But it, I feel like if you had the resources and you actually had the mentality and were able to not absolutely hate each other after the first it sounds weeks, very loaded. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened. Wow. Always wondering. Goodness. You know, um, at some point you start to wonder which moron leaves their socks on the floor all the time. Which idiot doesn't put away their dishes? Who leaves the door open when they're going to the bathroom? Who doesn't flush the toilet? Like The answer is on. all of you. You're all young, idiotic Westerners, right? Exactly. I thought Sunsfen like, was the answer it. to all of those things. It is, and I'm 35, for God's sake. That just shows you the state of America right now. But uh, last thing on LGD and Having said that, like all the requirements, all that stuff, I mean, obviously you don't need to get specific with numbers, but looking back, the amount that you were paid as a salary, would you say that that was actually decent, above average, average, below average, garbage? We're in that range. So, you know when you've never been paid for something so you don't actually know your value or your yeah. worth at all, and you're just happy to be there? That's what that was. <laughs> That's what level that salary was. That was like... So uh, price pool, per se. <laughs> Prize pool and living expenses. Oh, that's rough. Okay. Well, good to know. That sounds. 
Who negotiated oh, yeah. that fucking contract? Price? Was that misery? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I've got someone to blame. But oh. honestly, at the time, maybe it was an acceptable number. I truly don't know. But like, it would it's it's less than minimum wage where I live. Hmm. Even ten years later, or eight years later, rather. So it's a very low number for sure. But of course, you have, you know, you have food. You have travel paid for you. You have housing. So it's all just positive money anyways. You're not spending any of it, really. That's a very slave mentality. Thank you, Brax. Um, it is. I mean, to be fair, like esports when it was young, which back then, I guess it was still kind of young. It still is in the grand scheme of things. A lot of players being have been taken advantage of. We've seen it time and time again, not just with Dota, but pretty much every True. single title. Yep. Uh, okay, so going forward past the LGD Int, you were on a few teams. Anything... Uh, that you think is interesting to talk about. I mean, Navi US was a really interesting one. I thought you weren't together for that long, but like I was looking at your win rate. It was actually your highest win rate of any team was Navi US. What the hell happened with that team? Mm -hmm. So that was the, um, that was at TI4, but let me just fill in the blanks between TI3 and TI4. So after I got back from TI3, uh, I actually went back to China to play with, it was, Black, Pycat, Misery, and it was X Freedom. That's five people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Okay. So we tried that for like two months. They had some new league that eventually went bankrupt and didn't end up paying out or something. It's the infamous best of seven with uh, DK oh. and yeah, it's that. it's that league. Good shit. Basically. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it went to seven games. It was a complete shit show. All the good stuff. And uh, what ended up happening is we completely fell apart huge internal conflict we didn't even end up playing the whole thing i ended up going back home wow and uh, so it was a complete disaster and i needed to take some time to recruit because i was actually super burned out from the team house stuff it was like eight or nine months of playing dota every day for like 12 hours and also of course you've got a bunch of you've got a bunch of young adults who are maybe not so skilled at life at the time <laughs> all dealing with each other's problems so you know things get heated sometimes and and all that i'm not going to name any names but a, a certain someone happened to clog every toilet in the household <laughs> wait who was on the team can i can i guess and you tell me <laughs> you can you can guess it was it was me 1437 misery g and pie cat i'll give you a hint it was it, not misery it's you because he was, it's you brax come on I'll give it's you a you. hint. It was it was not misery because he was extremely mad at the person who happened to it. And yes, it was me. His face was he looked like he wanted to kill me. Oh man. That's why you're the best, Brax. I would I would congratulate you every day. It's like a feat, it's like an accomplishment. It's like your daily quest that you're able to cash in every day, you know? I actually well. felt bad afterwards because I started laughing when I said when I when when he asked I was like, that was me and I you know, I just start laughing, and he's fuming, Matt. He's furious at me, and I, I just can't stop laughing. I've heard uh, of a lot of ways to disband a team. I think that's like very—it's very symbolic. Uh, <laughs> actually, different toilet and go back home. <laughs> All right, hold on. Okay, before we get into this topic, uh, give us the rundown on the next few years, then. Okay, so basically, uh. So after I got back from the second failed attempt to China, um, I think I was trying out for EG at the time. It was me, Fear, J.O., MSS, 
and fogged. And I jumped ship. I said, I think this team has no faith. We completely suck and there's no direction. So I jumped ship. And then there was a slanderous article written about me by an unnamed person who I will not name because they're unnamed, but it's out there if someone ever wants to, <laughs> to go look for it. But basically in the article, they said that I had zero work ethic and that I was kicked when it was actually the opposite. Hmm. But, you know. Everyone's got to write their articles to get their clicks, I guess, back in the day. I don't remember I've that got... at all. Huh. So, yeah, basically after that, like, I did not like this person whatsoever. I was not very happy. But, uh, okay, so after that was the whole Navi US thing. I made this team, like, three months before TI qualifiers. And basically, we destroyed and won every qualifier game. This was when... Uh, people were getting DDoSed, actually, during qualifiers, mm. during TI qualifiers. And this was game... I don't know what game... It was the deciding game for the TI qualifiers, and it was against Team Liquid at the time. It was Koikva, Bulba, um, TC, Waitu, and I think... I don't remember who the last person was. But um, basically, the draft had just finished, and then the game got DDoSed. So we had to remake the game, and play from like the exact same heroes, lanes, items, and all that, but it was done at a different day. And I was actually getting DDoSed, and I lived in Bullhead City, Arizona at the time. Oh, yeah, the buckle Basically, of Arizona. Yep. middle of nowhere. There was no LAN cafe. I didn't know anyone. I couldn't go next door and use a computer or anything like that. So I stalled for like two hours, and my internet finally came back up, and then there were more DDoS problems with other people. Uh, this was back when people were getting through Skype. And there was tons of mm. Skype issues with people leaking their Skypes and stuff. So, yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Wow, that was bad. And then Team Liquid, they were uh, they went to go scrim people, and they would tell their opponents to pick the exact same lineup so they could try to replicate the game scenario in the exact same way. <laughs> and sounds uh, like a Bulba thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a Bulba thing. You know, you're sitting there trying to be a huge turbo nerd and figure everything out, and then basically we play the next game. We play the game the next day, and they lose in like 18 minutes or something, and it was done. <laughs> they sat there and prepared for a whole day. I think I went to bed and had some chocolate cake and then woke up the next day and, you know, just played the game, saw what happened. You won. It was I cool. I thought you preferred pie, bro. What's the deal? Well, it was a younger, dumber me, so. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Okay, what else? What else you got before we get to... I want to talk about the For Fun tournament where you okay. won the summit. Um, I'll speed this up real quick. So this is after TI4. TI5, I actually didn't play Dota at all. Um, I was extremely depressed after TI. The way we lost was really saddening. Basically, we had more internal issues, and we ended up pretty much giving up in the group. That was the TI with the really long group stage. So if you didn't get top eight, you didn't play at the main event. You played a super duper. Like It was like a two-week-long group stage or something crazy. That's the one where everybody and, played uh, each other uh, like a ro complete round robin for everyone, right? Yes. Yeah, that was yes, fucking brutal. Yeah. And uh, bottom eight were out, <laughs> top eight moved on to main stage. And my dad came, my mom came, and they didn't get mm. to see me play on stage. It was it was really sad. Yeah, that's pretty So funny. I was in a funk for, I don't know, maybe six or seven months or something. I was going through a real hard time. And, uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I had to pretty much quit Dota because I couldn't sustain myself financially anymore. And it was also so mentally taxing to my health. So I just needed to, to get away and recoup and actually try to build myself up again because it, it was it was really bad. 
I'm talking like mushroom clouds in the bowls because I have zero will to live. I'm talking no showers. It was really bad. So what did you do exactly? Because I know there's probably somebody listening that is going through something similar or will go through something similar. What did you do to Mm -hmm. climb out of that, that hole? So I had people to like help and try to assist me and everything, but I was in such a bad mental state. I, I didn't want help. And it took me a really long time to realize that I desperately need help. And these people actually care about me and they want me to, you know, to do well and to not sit and mope around and just pretty much just rot. Right. And honestly, it it takes time until you finally get to that point and realize that you need to change and you got to do something different to improve your life. And I, I finally got there, but, uh, yeah, it's tough, but it's a lot easier with people trying to help, just try to accept their help. So, you know, you can get back to your old self. So, yeah. Um, when, so yeah, before I, you go on, why, I'm trying to remember when did you and I meet and when did you meet Cinderin? Uh, ooh. I remember talking to you <clears throat> very briefly. I'm trying to think if it was uh-huh. actually TI2. Were you at TI2? I was not at TI2. TI3 then. You definitely came up to me and said, I love your content. And I was, oh, I did, was like yeah. one of the first people, one of the first pros to ever come up to me. And I was extremely flattered. I, was it you that said you loved my centaur roar? Something to that effect. I, I don't remember, but that sounds so stupid now that I hear it that I probably did. Because <laughs> I used to do a rah, 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 with the, the, the double edge and it felt really good. So I appreciate that. Right. Thank you for being so nice to me. Okay, continue. Okay, oh, Cinderin. So, when did you meet Cinderin, real quick? At that or, TI, right? Have you ever met Cinder? We both played there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that was one of the, that was the last one in Benaroya, right? TI3 was in Benaroya. And I think there was something really special about that venue where the players were, like everything was just smaller. So because it was a more like intimate environment, I felt like the teams hung out more in the, um, what's called in the, what, what do we call that? The, the back backstage right because now uh-huh. at ti the teams will just mind their own business they'll come in they'll play their match and then they'll go back to the practice room or whatever but right. back then teams were genuinely sitting around there for hours on end watching all of the games and people would like mingle a little bit and talk and meet uh, do you remember like the right? hotel setup and everything it was like it was like 40 or 50 pcs and they were all just next to each other so people yeah. couldn't scream but everyone would hang out you had food yeah. you had the the dining place next to it. you had ping pong you had the place for all the smokers, and it was all just there. Everyone just hung out pretty much forever. It was like an open land cafe, almost, where it was only mm-hmm. Dota pros. So if you imagine that environment. I mean, it, it was really cool, but from a professional practice standpoint, it was not ideal for people playing I for miss them, though. Dollars. Benaroya, is, I gained so Benaroya much weight sick. sneaking into the player's lounge, eating Snickers <laughs> after Snickers while players Dendi watches the game next to me. That is where my fatness began. It was literally Benaroy Hall, TI3. Thank you, Gabe. Snickers, overload. All right, anyway. Bring us up to speed, Brax. Okay, so I basically went through a huge funk, and I stopped playing Dota entirely because I needed to get my life on track. And then uh, I thought I was good, so I started to play Dota again, tried to start some teams, but it was, it was pretty much a whole bunch of teams going nowhere, to be honest. You know, you have your, your stacks you make for a couple couple weeks you think everything's all good and great and you're going to stick together for the next tournament then someone says you know this isn't working out for me or they get a better offer whatever it may be and then you 
restart the cycle all over again with the exact same mentality. NA Dota. And it just, yep. You know, people say NA Dota, but this it used to happen everywhere. Like, yeah. it didn't matter where you played. It was the exact same thing. You'd make a team for a month, shuffle, repeat over and over and over, trying to eventually win something. But the player base and, for NA is so much smaller. It feels like it's just a recycle of the literal same players over and over. That is true, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember if this is the correct time. for. I don't remember when I played for C9, if that was between TI5 and 6, or if it was between 4 and 5. Be- it was between 5 and 6, because DC was a thing. Okay, okay. Remember you had true. goddamn Ritsu on your team. I remember that vividly. That's right. So basically, um, that was a team with Ritsu, 1437, SVG, and who else? Oh, gee, how can I not remember? Oh, MSS. He was the last player. He was playing offline at the time. So... Basically, we're a team for like three months. We've, we went to a couple lands. Um, we went to the Frankfurt Major. And I was actually, so during the qualifiers for the Frankfurt Major, um, I was at, I was back home at my dad's place. I wasn't in Arizona at the time. Uh, I was back for like some holiday. I forgot what it was exactly. But uh, the internet, like the whole power went out on the whole block. So I went to my coach's house, Loomdun. And mm-hmm. he actually lived relatively close. He lived like 20 minutes away from me. He had a huge mansion on the beach, you know, some six-bedroom house right on the water. And uh, he said I could only play in his room. And I'm like, you know what? That's totally fine. Your place, your rules, I'll respect it. But I basically played in, like, you know, the Harry Potter when he's under the, uh, the under the stairs where it's, like, yeah. that little tiny, little tiny thing. Basically, I was playing in one of those. And he lives in a mansion. And, uh, yeah, but he had, he wanted to keep everything all nice and neat, and I guess he didn't trust me, which, you know, I, I don't blame him. I'm not, I wasn't the cleanest guy back then. But now, as you can see, I keep my room <laughs> squeaky clean. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I played, like, on his laptop stand with my computer, and so my mouse went behind my monitor because it was the only <laughs> space on the laptop stand, and then my keyboard was scrunched up in front of me, and it was, like... <laughs> it, it, it was angled like this. So I'm like pressing buttons like this while I'm holding it up, basically. And we were playing against uh, DC in the finals for the qualifier, and I was Death oh. Prophet made against Yawar's Alchemist. And I actually died standing in Acid Spray because I couldn't move my mouse <laughs> to walk out of the Acid Spray fast enough before I took like 200 damage from it. Oh. But we still won, so it was okay. But, <laughs> those were the playing conditions back in the day. And Good I played shit. on a laptop with like 25 FPS, and I didn't know what I was missing until we got to TI and you know played on 144 for the first time at TI4, and it was it was amazing. So yeah, um, speeded up C9. Uh, we disbanded due to some awful stuff that happened. And I just moved into a new place, and I desperately needed the C9 salary. And as you know, Dota tournaments, sometimes they don't pay out on time. <laughs> um, this one in particular took two years to pay out. It was it was WCA. Oh, the cla- oh I'm surprised years. you even got paid. That's actually incredible. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say, I thought I would never see the money, but eventually it finally happened somehow. And uh, I got lucky. It kind of saved me at the time, honestly. <clears throat> Because I was at a point in my life where I was pretty much 
I was playing these really small cups in Europe, and the prize pool was like 3,500 euros for each one, and they would happen like every month or something, and basically it paid my rent every month. And I kept waiting, and I kept having enough money for rent over and over, and I was living basically hoping that I win these small tournaments where I just wouldn't have enough money to live. Hmm. So that was my status back then. And then, uh, what was it, TA6? TA6 is the DC Wings TI, right? Yep. Is that correct? Okay. So pretty much I hit rock bottom right before then, and I quit Dota entirely because I couldn't sustain, and I was so mentally messed up that, like, I couldn't do anything besides Dota. I would sit there and play for 16, 17 hours a day, chasing pennies, trying to survive, and at some point I needed I needed a reality check, and I just had to quit pretty much. So I stopped playing for, like, maybe a year or so. And that's when I was working at uh, Jack in the Box in the ghettos. It was not fun. We this had in Arizona? Yeah. yeah, this is there in Arizona. This is in Phoenix. There were search helicopters. I saw a homeless dude OD in the bathroom and die. There was a guy that always came back with uh, with his knife just hanging out. And whenever people didn't let him cut in line, he'd bring it out and people would get scared and he'd walk up to the front of the line. It, it was It was bad. It was not fun at all. I'm glad I don't do that anymore. And, uh, yeah, so I lived life like that for a bit. I tried to do what I could to improve my mental health so that I didn't feel like... So my problem was I felt like I only had Dota. So if Dota ever wasn't going well, everything was wrong. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like that, but I'm so, so invested in it that if, you know, I didn't qualify to this tournament or if, you know, my team disbands or something, my whole world came down. Because I literally had nothing else. It was my entire life. I'm not talking 90% of my life. It was literally everything. It was what I did every single day. And uh, because of that, I had all my eggs in this one basket that was going nowhere, basically. And it was the most depressing thing I've ever experienced. Because you're just watching failure after failure build up. And it's like I'm in the dumpster. You know, people say, oh, we put you in the dumpster, blah, blah, I'm actually in the dumpster, but I just got another dumpster, like, put on top of me, and I'm packed so deep in the shit that I have no way of escaping. So I had to completely quit Dota. And then, so this uh, is the second time quitting Dota? Yes. There, there's this plenty of these <laughs> where I quit for, like, a year to try to get my life back on track, come back, fail horribly, and then... Uh, yeah, eventually I got it right. Now I'm in a much better place and all that, so that's good. I'm yeah, surrounded you, by some lovely ladies and all that. How do you balance? <laughs> that's what does it, the anime, I see. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> how do you keep the balance then? Not letting it overwhelm you. I mean, we'll talk about your streaming in, in a minute, because I think that probably mm -hmm. helps you in some regard, but For how sure. would you say you balance um, things? I think you have to learn to try to really appreciate other things first so that it's not only about that it's about like you know your health other hobbies um, you know keeping up with old friends keeping up with your family uh, girlfriend boyfriend whatever it may be all these things so that you realize that there's more to life than just winning or losing here you know and once you can actually separate these things and realize that there's a lot more to life than just that um, it becomes a lot better because the losses they're still hard for sure but it's not everything anymore now, instead of 100%, maybe it's 70%, maybe it's 50%. And eventually it becomes easier to deal with. And it's like it's like one of those things you kind of 
I don't think anyone can give you any real advice about it. I think you have to sit there and crash and burn to really be able to figure it out for yourself because in Dota, it's so easy to tell yourself, I could have done more. You know, I could have played 16 hours today instead of 14. You know, I could have waken up earlier to watch this Navi game earlier. You know, I could have done so, so much more than I'm already doing. And you keep telling yourself this over and over and over until you you just crash. So, yeah, once you're able to actually get yourself out of that cycle, I'll call it, things start to get better. It's like this mentality of min-maxing, right? If you if you're if you go watch a movie, you feel regret later because or you feel guilty because you didn't spend that time working towards something that's really important to you. But at the same time, sometimes you need that extra time doing literally nothing. Like I would literally stare at walls sometimes. Like back in my Counter-Strike match. I mean, this is going way back, guys. But <laughs> I would literally like because we didn't have Netflix. But like, this is I'm fucking old. Okay, we didn't have Netflix or anything like that. If if I was overwhelmed and I just didn't want to play Counter Strike at the time because I was just playing too much, I would just zone out and do literally anything else. Sometimes zone out, look at the wall <laughs> for five minutes straight. I'm a Honestly, little psychopath. That, that sounds amazing. Should try it out sometime. Okay, so let's fast Especially forward. When your walls like that. That's really good to look at. Thank you, thank you, Cinderella. Not your um, walls, Shen. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay, let's fast forward to the last, uh, If unless you have something else you want to fill in, but the last year or so, uh, you were on a team that I cast at the Summit called mm-hmm. For Fun. It was made for fun. It was you, Envy, Moo, who played position five for literally the first time ever in his career. Uh, who else was on there? I'm missing two. Uh, Rioya. And Snaking. And Snaking, that's right. And you guys won... In a pretty convincing fashion, thanks to your amazing drafting, we kept giving you props on those until you fucked it up and lost a game in Envy-like fashion, as was pretty much the case every loss you guys had. Uh, (laughs) Tell me about that tournament and how that team came to be and how it ended all of a sudden, it seems like. That was actually one of the most fun tournaments I've played because like, uh, we didn't scrim because when we would scrim, we would overant. We definitely had too many cooks in the kitchen, first of all. So every single post-game analysis was like, it could go on for days if it really wanted to. You know, people, some people really like to hear themselves talk. That's for sure. But um, yeah, basically, whatever we were doing before wasn't working. Um, Mu wasn't even playing with us at the time. He was, we asked him to be a stand-in in the previous tournament at the very end, and then we actually happened to win a series, and that was something, we weren't winning at all. <laughs> so we were like, Moo's the glue that holds us together. You know, we found something good here. <laughs> the guy that and literally doesn't him, practice position five or anything. That, that's that's correct. You know, we needed his calm demeanor, his, uh, you know, we needed a sarcastic voice in the back of our minds to keep us on track. But basically the atmosphere was really good when we played with him, as opposed to the other previous times. Like, he took a break. And basically wanted to do his own thing for a bit. And then at the end, we asked him if he wanted to play. So that was cool. We did that for this tournament. And basically, all the games are scrims. And it gets weird because, like, when you're a team that wins every single tournament for, like, in the last six or seven tournaments, you basically, I don't want to call it being stubborn because, like, clearly what you're doing is working, but you're not adapting to what's currently happening. And we were constantly adapting because. We were treating all the games like scrims because 
we were truly trying to learn and figure out what works for us and why and all these things and how to complement our players in the best way possible. So we were adapting with every single game. And you take Quincy Crew, who were just stopping every single game in 20 minutes, and they don't learn anything from these games. And maybe that's good enough for them because nobody is really challenging them. But um, yeah, that was the whole theme of that tournament for us. We were constantly adapting and learning. And there was some of that from them in the grand finals, but it didn't end up going in their favor. So that, that was super interesting because uh, nobody cared, if that makes sense. You know, if we lost, it was, you know, whatever. <laughs> We're just practicing, you know. All right, next time, you know, we won't let this happen. You know, we'll think more about X, Y, and Z. Or, like, we'll prioritize this. Or this team can only play this. You know, things like that were, it was just easy. It was just quick. It takes five minutes. It didn't have to be a four-hour post-game analysis. It was, like, me talking about the heroes I want to pick and their priorities 15 minutes before the game. Everyone going, okay. And then, you know, people muting their mics, eating breakfast, whatever it may be. <laughs> and it was just, like, it was full confidence in me just because nobody else was doing anything at the time. Envy didn't play Dota for two months at a time. He was only playing team fight tactics, so he had zero like input in Dota. He was like, Brax, you tell me what's good, you know? He's like, I think these are good. And I'm like, Yep, those are good. You're playing That's these. That's why he uh, exclusively played Spectre and basically only Spectre that <laughs> He played Spectre and Faceless Void and he played the best Spectre and Faceless Void of the tournament. Yep, that's right. All right, so how did that yeah, how did that end? And then now you're on four zoomers. Okay, so basically it ended because uh, I went into the next tournament with the same mentality, and I don't know if something if expectations were different because we happened to win the previous tournament, but basically mm. we didn't win. We ended up getting second place, and wait, was that right? Second place? Was it a different tournament? Hey, whatever, I, I don't remember. Uh, we lost. And I don't know if expectations were different or if they were changed because of winning the last tournament or not, but it wasn't the same. The atmosphere was very different. People expected more out of each other when before it was just a very relaxing and, you know, it was an atmosphere where you didn't feel like you were going to get attacked or you Sundaran, didn't feel like you could say something stupid. Sundaran, could you play on a team that just didn't give a shit? Everybody collectively? Well, how, does, how do you mean by doesn't give a shit? Because I think they were still trying to win. Well, of course. I, right. I tried extremely hard. I did all the strategy. <laughs> all right. I did all the pregame, and everyone else had basically zero input. How would you like if it if you did everything? You did everything, Sundaran, and you had four bots on your team, essentially. If everyone actually, fully trusted me? They trusted you, but the they strategies. don't really give a shit about like super prepping or anything like that. They just trust you. Doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, I was I was hyping that up at the summit a lot. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Okay, so four zoomers. How's that going? Mm -hmm. Um, I was pretty disappointed in myself because I didn't put forth enough effort, in my opinion, towards the in the last tournament we played. We got second place, but uh, I made the same mistake for like five games in a row or something, uh, strategically. So I was pretty disappointed in myself because I didn't really adapt. I didn't prepare well at all for the tournament, but I have a lot of hope in these guys. They're all super hungry. It's the complete opposite of just playing for fun. Everyone wants to play all the time, and they want to they want to look at everything and really learn and improve, and it's a nice change of pace because they're all super hungry, and it's kind of contagious. I'm old. 
you know, another tournament's another tournament. Like, who cares? It'll be, there'll be more. Obviously, I want to win, but like, to them, it's like life and death. Right. You know, like this determines my entire future. I want to do the best I possibly can. So there's tons of talk. There's tons of preparation. So it kind of reminds you of the spot you were in, in a way. Yes. With like how much of their life that is right now. It's kind of yes. like old you. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And it, it was nice to see that. And I was like, you know what? I was like that one day. And it's contagious. It's super high energy. It's really positive atmosphere where everyone is just trying to learn. It's a place for people. Don't take things too personally. Everyone understands that it's just for the purpose of getting better. When you say it's super high energy, you mean everyone but you, right? That's someone's got to keep them in check. That's yeah. why. No, exactly. That's why there's only four of the Zoomers. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's talk about a couple more things about you, and then we'll transition to uh, this week, which okay. is another reason we brought you on because a lot of this has to do with NA and obviously being a pro player and whatnot. Love to get your opinion on some of this stuff. Um, I want to talk about your your casting. You've done casting in the past. Is that something that you want to do more of? Uh, I know it's like Cinderin's always had like towed this line between pro play, casting. I, I want to know what your thoughts are. It's so hard to commit to casting because like your competitive player stock goes down the drain when you're caster. For some reason, it's seen as <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> It lowers your stock extent, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. People don't look at you the same. They look at you and they say, oh, you're a content creator. Oh, you're a streamer. You're mm. a caster. You're an analyst. You're not a pro player. So, yeah, people stop looking at you in terms of that. And honestly, I like casting. Casting's fun. I never thought I was very good at it. Maybe I wasn't very comfortable back then, or maybe I was better towards the end. I don't really know. It's like if people are fans of you, they'll like your casting, whether it was good or bad. So I don't actually know if it was good or bad, but it was objectively I really like I think from a casting perspective, I'll say this. I'm trying to be mm-hmm. objective here. The only like in terms of the actual content that you're putting out, like what you're talking about, the usefulness and the interesting fact, like basically what Cinder brings to the table from like an analytical standpoint, you do basically the same thing, uh, and you're able to wrap it around like you're able to put it into layman's terms, right? Which I think a lot of analysts struggle to do. This is why a lot of pro players can't actually become analysts because they don't know how to fucking talk. So that's something (laughs) that you were just objectively good at. So if you're, again, pro player, go for it, Brax. But anytime you want to cast, buddy, can replace Cinderin anytime, okay? (laughs) Cinderin has a way with words where he wraps together these incredibly intricate details into the most simple and just like it's kind of what purge does but smarter if that makes sense for (laughs) purge gives you like the dry delivery and cinderin can do that too and he's amazing there there was something he said at uh, one of the ti's that i remember for years and now i magically fraud because i'm clearly nervous because cinderin's here with us but well shout out to that one memory of what's that one time okay moving on last thing we'll talk about oh no two more things so your stream i want to talk about your stream for a minute here because you've been streaming a lot more lately you're no offense to cinderin although i do i will watch cinder from time to time but obviously he is on another side of the planet so not exactly the same time zone i watch brax's stream literally every day it's the only dota stream that i consistently watch he is not only good at the game 
he literally never gets angry. And I I get angry for him in these games sometimes. I don't understand how somebody can be so calm. Your stream is literally ASMR to my ears, Brax. How do you do it? Well, when you're dead inside, nothing surprises you anymore. So that's probably why I'm so calm. Very good. Thank you. How do you how do you enjoy streaming? It's actually fun, but the worst part about streaming is the whole like you basically have to chain queue. Like you miss yeah. the game, or at least that's how it is in NA. There's like one high ranked game that goes on at a time, maybe two. And if you're not in that cycle or that wave of players, you end up like you end up playing a game where that with like an average maybe two thousand lower than yours. And it's just not fun. And sometimes that really kills it, but it's a hard thing to do. I'm sure you guys have both felt it streaming at some point. Some days it just is not fun. Mm -hmm. Like some days you're just not feeling it at all. And it's hard to put on the happy face and keep doing it, but I'm good about that. I just turned my stream off and I don't want to stream anymore. And that probably is not very good for my <laughs> consistency. And that's why I have like tons of two hour long streams. But if I'm not having fun, then it's probably going to be shitty content, honestly. Yeah. I think I, I quickly want to revisit the thing you talked about, because to me, it's it's interesting. It's something I've thought about too. the whole stock thing um, with casting and or streaming is that mm -hmm. the impression that I have is that people have this almost outdated view sometimes of what it like, what it takes to be a pro. There's like that mentality you talked about from the past where people would play like 14 to 16 hours a day and they would just commit everything mm -hmm. to it. And people feel like if you are not literally only living and breathing Dota as your only thing, then you're not trying hard enough, right? True. So it's like the concern that, oh, you're casting a tournament. Oh, that means you're not grinding every single day, 12 hours in pubs because you're off casting that. And you're just getting some quote unquote easy money instead of grinding hard for these deadly tournaments. Or, right. oh, you're streaming. Well, when you're streaming, you're not playing your best. So clearly you're starting to lose faith in yourself. I think that's why that's what some people think about it is that it's like a, it's like you're forfeiting, you know, oh, I'm not good enough. So now I'm going to do something else when for many people that do it, it's something different. It's exciting. It's fun to just, you know, like you said, having a little break or focusing on something else for a bit because it gets tiring to just play nonstop. So that's where other players, instead of casting or streaming, just don't play. They just have a holiday. And that is seen as way less weak than doing other dota work which is just really For strange sure. right but it's i completely see what you're saying um it's very it's kind of a battle in a way that you have to fight for yourself too right with streaming and casting it's, a bit it's like you have to prove yourself even more just because you're yeah. doing something publicly that people can see that isn't sitting grinding the dota newsflash guys puppy you know he takes month-long breaks before he starts grinding dota every all these top players they all do it yeah Including me. I just want to throw it out there. Yes. He's yeah. coming back to see us. <laughs> hey, my Valorant he took skills a 12 are top break. Notch. He's coming back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all loose, you know? I haven't gotten that uh, that carpal tunnel in me quite yet. Okay, last thing. Uh, by the way, for those that want to, I'm going to put this link in the description as well. Twitch.tv slash Braxton911. Is that the correct? I can never remember that in your, twi your Twitter. Horrible, horrible Twitch and horrible Twitter. Really need to work on that, but the stream is top-notch. So shout-out to your stream. Okay, last thing before we get into the this week's news. What are your thoughts on the new patch? 
I, we've talked briefly about this. I obviously am in love with it. The shards make it very interesting for me, but there's, of course, other perspectives to consider. Yeah, so you have some sort of infatuation with Aghanim himself, so if there was yeah. ever any other Aghanim <laughs> variant, you would instantly love it. Yeah. But I think it brings a pretty cool new dynamic to the game. It's something new to keep things interesting. I know the actual fundamental game didn't change at all. Like, the map is still the same. The gold generation methods are still all the exact same. There's no formula changes. It's just, you know, some minor tweaks and some Aghanim shards being upgraded. But it's a really cool way to balance certain heroes. Like, it's another one of those things, like, you can nerf a talent. You can nerf base stats. You can nerf the shards slightly. It's another way to keep these heroes in check. But, of course, you're also mixing and matching so many different things because now if it's overpowered on a not-so-strong hero, this might just be so good that this hero is really good again. So, I think so, it's cool. It keeps the game positive. interesting. But What are the negatives, Brax? Positive. Oh. Uh, the negatives are when things are out of control, right? You could have... I don't know. Like, I can't think of any shards that are super <laughs> crazy and out of control, but I'm, I'm sure there are, and I just don't remember them off the top of my head, but... Things like that definitely plague the game and maybe feel unfair, or whatever you may want to call it. It leads to a whole new level of balanced disasters if things are truly out of tune. I feel like Earthshaker is up there. He's got to be consideration for best ags, or ag shards, I should say. It's very good. The enchant totem or whatever through the fissure. People have actually been getting the fissure length thing more often now because of that exclusively. I would like to hear a little bit more about you, uh, about this from you because Shannon and I have talked about this with, uh, I feel like every time a new layer is introduced like this, the game becomes more conceptually impossible to balance fairly. Uh, like you said, some of the, some of the ag shards, I, I basically said, the way I said it was Ice Frog is making his own job harder. Basically, I said that when talents came out and now I said it with the shards because yes, it's more knobs to turn, but it also makes it really difficult to fine tune it to a point where it feels like all the heroes are fair in their own right. Um, do you agree with that? Or do you think overall it is, do you think the game is harder or easier to balance? Let's just make the question simple. It is for sure so much harder to balance when you add all these different mechanics. Like, let's take, remember back when talents had respawn talents? Heroes mm -hmm. like Lena and Lone Druid became instantly <laughs> ridiculous just because they were never dead. Like, right. that's probably an example of one of the worst moments of balance with the new mechanic, right? So yeah, of course, it, it makes all these things so much more difficult to do with. Like, you guys are talking about the Shaker thing, right? Now this fissure Link talent is even better than before because now there's even more utility with it. It adds these cool different uh, mechanics between these power spikes, but of course, it's a balanced nightmare, for sure. Okay. Well, with that, let's get on to this week's news. And I'm going to start off by reading at least part of this blog post by... Uh, Volvo, they actually posted this on December 31st. It is the DPC Circuit 2021. As we start the new year amidst positive news regarding the vaccine for COVID-19, we wanted to share with you our plans for the Dota Pro Circuit Season 2021. This year's competition is slated to start on January 18th and will consist of two seasons leading up to TI-10. As previously announced, each season will consist of a six-week league portion leading up to a major. After two seasons, there will be qualifiers for the remaining slots for TI-10, which this will answer one of our questions that we talked about before, Cinderin, with TI-10 happening in Stockholm in August. So they give the dates. So essentially two seasons from now until 
the mid-June, I guess. Given that yeah. several teams experienced a lot of roster changes throughout the year and performance has varied among teams from the previous DPC season, we will not be using previous season's DPC points as a way to seed teams into the league, but rather selecting the top four teams in best form from each region to be directly qualified to the upper division, while a series of qualifiers closed and open will determine the remaining 12 teams in both divisions. So EU, top four. For China, it's top four. This is for teams that end up going to the major. SEA, top three. CIS, top three. NA, top two. And SA, top two, which we're going to break this down and talk about each little section here. Um, and of course, there's the relegation process where the bottom two teams at the end of the season will go to the lower league and then vice versa. The top two will go to uh, the main league. Um, and I guess the last thing we might mention or we'll mention here is the six regional leagues will be operated by the following tournament organizers. So this is interesting. Europe is DreamHack. CIS is ESL. China, obviously Perfect World, big surprise. SEA, PGL are kind of back now. NA, BTS, no surprise. South America is Dota Pit, which leave, well, Dota Pit, obviously that's typically Europe. So that's, yep. or CIS even. That's now South America. And WePlay is not here. That's the big omission. Of course, nothing has really been announced about, maybe we'll talk about this first, the major itself. Has it ever been announced that it's a third party running it, or is it Valve? I'm trying to remember. Well, we've had two versions, right? We had the old Valve majors, where there yes. were three in a year, and they were $3 million tournaments, or whatever it was. And then we had the year where we had like 12 majors and 250 minors. Um, that year, I think the tournament organizers put in bids that they would like to run a tournament and then it would get approved by Valve to be part of the circuit. Mm. Um, so that was technically third party, but just with a Valve stamp. Yeah, I can't read from this what it's going to be this time. I mean, they're announcing who the organizers are, but they're not announcing whether it's... I, I guess it's still the same that it's third party, right? And Valve just contribute, I'm assuming, prize mm -hmm. pool stuff and approve of the way it's run. That's what it sounds like to me. I think, yeah. Okay, so let's just break this down in a couple parts. So first and foremost, unless you guys want to butt in at any point, but mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the teams that get to go to the major in terms of the end of the season here, do we have any thoughts on the distribution of number of slots? Are you trying to start a war here? I'm No, I'm just curious on opinions because I actually don't hey. know... like. I've been seeing some tweets, obviously, which we'll <laughs> we'll talk about one in particular at some point. Um, just interested in your thoughts. Not looking for flame or anything like that, unless you want to, of course. I mean, I, I can go first on this. Uh, I think it's 100% a given that Europe needs the max number of spots. Then it's the question whether they should have the most isolated or if they should be tied, as it is with China right now. The problem with COVID is that you have no frame of reference for how strong the regions are relative to each other. So China's teams that are really good might be mega good, and they might even be better than Europe's teams, but we never get to see it, so we don't know. It's about how, in like a vacuum, how strong is the scene with itself. And Europe right now is producing lots of really top-tier Dota. So Europe being on top is completely fine. Should China also have four? I don't know. If you change anything, maybe you would give Europe five, and then you should take it from somewhere. But where would you take it from? SEA and CIS, NA. I would agree, are <laughs> SEA and CIS are definitely more competitive and produce more top tier plays and, and games than NA, which also produces more than SA. 
It's like, when I look at this split, I think it's good. Um, but China is just a big wild card for me, like, cause it's just so hard to say how good they are relative to the rest. But historically with Dota, generally the two strongest regions on average are Europe and China. So if you want to use that going in because you have nothing else to go on because of Corona, then I don't see a problem with the split. I think it's pretty representative. Brax? For sure. I, I'm, I agree with pretty much everything you said, to be honest, like, the only real thing that I have a question mark about is the third slot for CIS. I, I don't have an answer to it. I'm not saying give it to NA because I'm NA. I genuinely don't know. Mm -hmm. um, with the way the format is, it doesn't make any sense to be able to give it to Europe because of just how it's set up. The the format for it doesn't actually work out, giving them an extra slot. But um, it's kind of like the tester period, honestly. We don't really know how strong teams are relative to each other because there is no international play. There's only like, uh, you have CIS teams playing against European teams, you have SA playing NA, and that's that's it. There's nothing else. So after this major, I assume all these numbers are going to change in according to relative strength of the region. Maybe China's top six, maybe Europe's top, you know. Who, who really knows? We, we don't know anything until we actually see the results of what's going to happen. But this is always a... Uh, a sensitive subject that comes up every year. Every year, you've got the same Knoxville tweets coming out. <laughs> so. No, that's not true. Not quite like this one. This one is certainly one of a kind. But again, that'll be the last topic of today. Uh, and what do you think about the the statement that they will be not using DP, like they won't be counting DPC points from this last year? Do you guys agree with that? Disagree? Uh, let me make sure I read the wording correctly. Given that several teams experienced a lot of roster changes throughout the year and performances varied among teams, we will not be using seasons previous seasons DPC points as a way to see teams into the leagues. So this is just for the first one. And then the second yes. league will use the first one, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just this one time. Okay. I mean, what else do you have to go on? It's It's so tricky because... Some teams, because of the ecosystem and the way the game works, have taken quote-unquote almost forced breaks because there hasn't been, like, tournaments to play. Um, some of them even went, what was it, EG played an EU tournament because that was where the big prize money was. So they actually went out of their region to get one tournament online, I think. Wasn't mm -hmm. that it? They played Omega yep. League, was it? Mm -hmm. um, so, like, if teams... Some teams take breaks and some don't. The problem is how, like, to me, the real challenge here is how do you gauge form, right? Like, what form is a team that is usually really, really good but hasn't played for four months? What form are they in? Like, are they, do you assess them to the form they used to be in? Or do you say it's zero because you have no reference? If it was zero, you couldn't invite EG, right? Because they haven't really played a tournament for a while now. And if you assess them to what they used to be, they're an auto invite for every NA division one so mm -hmm. like i just i feel like it's really difficult the problem is maybe that it's not really communicated what form is it's a good way of safeguarding yourself to be like we can just put it into the form box well we just think your form is good <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's um it's tricky for because we'll get to this as well with the Knoxville tweet that we've been teasing, but the problem is there's tier two teams in the regions that have been playing actively and showing their form, but if they don't win, they are assessed to have a form that's lower than a team that used to be great, but hasn't played for four months. And then the question is, is that fair? 
These guys have put in the grinding. They've been playing for months to try to get into tournaments. They might have got some top threes, some top fours in either tier two tournaments or maybe even tier one. Uh, Why should they not get a fair shot at this when they are the ones who have been playing all year? Um, Whereas others can just take a break for half a year, come back and be like, yeah, we're great. It's certainly, yeah, it's certainly a gray area. So what I want to do is just read this last part and then we'll talk about the teams and get Brax's take Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Because I forgot to mention this part. So the last part of this blog says, in an upcoming update, by the end of January, the DPC circuit will become integrated with the client featuring, which is spelled incorrectly, Valve, standings, schedule, and tournament information, (laughs) as well as making it easy for people to follow their favorite teams and support them through purchasing seasonal fan support bundles. So first and foremost... Before we talk about this, Shannon, since you... No, listen. Since you had to point out there was a spelling mistake, Yeah. there is a comma mistake... Um, in line four of the whole post. Just wanted oh, to point that out. At the beginning? Yeah. Line number four, there's a comma mistake. I felt like that was important to mention. Okay, go on. All right, comma. You'll find it later. I'll look at it later. Thank you. Thank you for really interrupting the flow there for your mm-hmm, god-awful no grammatical. All right, anyway. Uh, so really good to see that they're going to be adding this stuff to the client. Uh, I'm sure that this is like the, I don't know if this is ex- exactly what it means, but I'm assuming that in some respect, they're going to start putting the stream itself on the front page, which means it's going to boost views, which is what Overwatch does to stay alive year after year after year. So that's really good. It's going to boost those views big time. after that one. <laughs> oh, Blizzard? Oh, no. Goodness me. <laughs> um, and then let's briefly talk about this fan support bundle. This, they used to have the... What are they? What were they called? The banners, penance. the penance from years ago, and they still show up in game. You can't purchase them, to my knowledge. What do you guys think about that? That is potentially a huge change, or it could be nothing, as well. Yeah. What are the numbers? What are the teams getting? What is for sale? What What That's do the fans get? Previously, it was nothing, wasn't it? You'd buy the, a penance and it didn't do anything. No, the pennant definitely supported the teams. They definitely yeah. made money. But it wasn't the team's got really. a percentage. Don't remember how much it was. It, but the pennant like, was strictly visual. It doesn't didn't do anything in the game except just add one to the counter when you watch uh, the game. I ask because back in the day, esports deals weren't exactly <laughs> so good. Sometimes you'd make a deal like that and it'd go entirely to the org, not to the the players. So yeah, yeah, pretty much right. Um, so that'll be an I, interesting I update we, in January. Or this month. I guess what I'm curious about is if you guys have any idea what the fan bundles could be. So what they do in CSGO, right? Which I think might be where they're getting a bit of inspiration from. In CSGO, you have these stickers, right? That you can put on your guns. And they will have like a player's signature. Or they will have like a team logo or whatever. And that means when you're playing the game and people are spectating you while they're dead, they will see that version of the weapon, correct? So they there's something you have that other people see. Mm-hmm. Uh, with penance, you're just a number, in the game there's like let's say this team has 500 pennants or 10,000 it doesn't really matter for what your pennant is you're just right. there in the that's crowd that's sad isn't it you're just a number yeah really it's, we're it's all not just really, numbers it's not really interactive it's not very personalized where with stickers yeah there's other people that have the same sticker as you but you have chosen the sticker because you're a fan of this player you're putting it on this weapon you're playing like this whatever it is so it's like some sort of agency over what you what you have what do you yeah. think you could do in dota for a fan bundle spray paint believe uh well, in the past, the, the Compendium, right? You could have your favorite team. Favorite team spray paint they did for a Compendium, yeah. Spray right, paint? Like if they you did? teleported, you'd have... They've had that. It was yeah. like, you'd have their logo out when you TP'd. Yeah, the you'd logo have, like, TP. A fanatic yeah. logo I think that was something. 
Was that the only the teams that had the team TP and then everybody had the spray paint they chose for favorite team? Or did you also have your favorite team's TP? Does they it... also had their TP if okay. you listed them as your favorite okay. in the competitive. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'm behind the time. I, th I thought I was coming up with something cool with the team spray paint, but hey, you know. Well, there's also the Overwatch approach, right? They have the, the team skin. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're a fan yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. the it looks San horrible. Francisco Shock or something, you would have their colors as the skin. Is that a real team name? Like Do you actually know a name of a team yeah. in the Overwatch League? Wow. You're really... Yeah, when he oh, took well, a break first. from Leak, he played Overwatch for three months. <laughs> yeah, we missed that segment. <laughs> yeah, but they say bundle, so I assume it's going to have like a bunch of stuff in it, including the pennant, which is just a number, but it's going to feel better because it's going to have all this other stuff. I mean, I would love to see spray paint of Arteezy's face that people can use, right? Why not? Mm -hmm. If he's making money off of it, then by all means. Sounds good to me. Is okay. there a way on cosmetics? Because that's still the biggest seller of the game, right? Like whenever a treasure yes, comes out, sure. people care about the items. They don't care as much about the emotes. They don't care as much about the sprays. Like think about how many sprays we've had in the TI Compendium. I'm not exaggerating. I think this last battle pass, I might have seen spray paints in three games. Yeah, with the whole battle one. pass. But everybody uses the cosmetics. People use the voice lines. The voice lines are amazing. Yeah. So the to the me, those are the I two see... biggest sellers can only you time do I see any spray of paints or when brack spray paints he's the only person i've ever seen use that feature <laughs> okay. before yeah. i, I don't famous. know if i've ever used one like genuinely but could you do something with cosmetics that's not too intrusive where it doesn't like break the game not i don't think it's feasible because it would take a lot of effort on valve's end because think of like vici gaming tusk mm -hmm. remember that set yep. that's yes. legit it actually it's looks good that take yeah. that was a third party that made it, it wasn't valve Valve would have to do all of that for every play. I don't think that's feasible. I don't. What if the teams that are in these leagues get to submit cosmetics? So Valve don't have to make the sets for each team, but the teams can pitch something and then it can get Valve, accepted. And well, but, then some teams wouldn't have it because Valve wouldn't. Yeah, want Yeah, that's a, lot a of problem, right? There so would need to be a guarantee them. that they would get something in, yeah. and they can't give that. Yeah, that's true. Never mind. It, Not it is. It's definitely difficult. I don't see it. I mean, you that could do stuff with HUD, sure. but the HUD has been so condensed that. Maybe you can't mm. do anything with it anymore. Anyway, let's talk about the direct invites. So for each region... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. I, guess I had to interrupt you. So you're talking about the Arteezy face spray paint, right? That could get incredibly distracting. Like, I've seen your Valorant gameplay. You like to spray the moving octopus yes. um, in Dota. What happens if someone's bald, right? You've got this big, shiny, bald dude. It's way more distracting. So I you just can't go there. You know, it's weird because I haven't seen pro players abuse that in Valorant. So here's the thing, just to quickly go off on this tangent, Cinder, just so you understand. So I don't know how it works in Counter-Strike, okay? But back in the day when Counter-Strike wasn't really, I mean, it was a competitive game, but there wasn't competitive integrity, right? There used to be some people that would have spray paints that moved, right? Like a GIF. I know people like to say GIF, but it's GIF. They move, yes. and it was actually a competitive advantage because it would you could make it look like a person that's moving, right? So your crosshair placement goes to them and you just play a different angle and you shoot their head off. In Valorant, you have spray paints that literally cannot be used during the round, okay? Because there's a pregame, then there's the round, and then there's the post-round, right? The problem is if you spray paint bef right before the round starts officially, it will persist. So if you're playing a certain angle, I have this octopus that this spaceship is shooting constantly and it's making a really obnoxious noise. And if you put it in a special spot, you can take advantage of that from a competitive aspect. It's incredible, highly recommend it. It has yet to actually work for me, but it will happen one day. Okay? Anywho, 
God, Back. I hope somehow when you do that, you're the only one it's visible to in the game, and you just think you're being a genius, and nobody else can see this. No, spray my whole paint. my team always uh, talks about how much they love that spray paint. Okay, shout out to Bear Tactics. Okay, so uh, the direct invites for the major, or sorry, the season. Wait, how does this work exactly? You get the four invites, and then the qualifying teams that are in the qualifiers end up distributing to the rest, right? So the four invited teams start in Division 1, correct? Right. Yes. And then there's eight slots in total in the division. So there's four people from a qualifier that make it, from EU, that right. is. From NASA, CIS, and SEA, will there also be eight teams in Division 1? I assume. I'm assuming there will. I assume so, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so every region will have eight teams in Division 1, right? Uh, I mean, and every no... region has four direct invites. So half qualify, half are invited. All right, real question here. Yeah. How is there a Division 2 in NA, Brax? I can't think of more than four teams. Well, the thing is, you're just not very well-versed in NA Dota, so I don't blame you, but I also can't think of those teams. <laughs> slots, Excellent. So. All right, so Europe, we have Team Liquid, OG, Team Secret, Nigma. Uh, anything, I mean, no surprise. I, mean, I obviously feel a little bit bad for Viking because they've been really good lately, but there's a ton of teams in EU. So can't yeah. say I'm too surprised by this. Some some people are arguing that Viking should maybe get it over, say, Liquid because of recent form. But Liquid won a premier tournament. They won ESL one Germany, and that sure. has to have value when you use. That's still within recent performance. So mm -hmm. I don't like. It's sad for Viking that they don't get a direct invite. But if you had to pick four, it's probably these four, right? Unless I would agree. how have Nigma and OG done relative to Viking over the year? Secret is obviously locked in. Like, there's nothing that will take them down. So, Nigma and OG versus Viking in terms of merit. Yeah. This is a question for you guys. I'm not like waiting to no, figure I'm, it out oh, myself. Yeah, I thought you Viking is like, for us. feels like Viking's on the up and up. OG and Nigma, they've been inconsistent, I think is a very easy. But have they got better results across the year than Viking have? Because if they haven't, what is form then? You have in EU you have tons of tournaments to go on for form. Yeah. Let me educate you on some Valve terminology here, Sindrin. Form is an idea. <laughs> oh. It doesn't actually mean anything. It is up to interpretation for dumb people like us to sit and think <laughs> about. While they can actually do anything they want. But uh Viking had better performances earlier on in the year. Mm -hmm. is, right? And Nigmanoji did not. But towards the end of the year, their performances have been up, and Viking has been not as good as they once were. Still good, for sure. Yeah. So maybe that played a big they factor. They did win the it. Summit, though, right? The premier tournament. The I mean, it, again... The... But the other, all the other top teams were not in that one, so you can't give it as much value, right? Liquid was in that, and they beat Liquid. Yeah, but not the other ones. OG, right. Nigma, and Secret. Did they play the Summit, all of them? No, I don't Any think so. Any of them? I don't think so. No. Okay. You know, if Liquid didn't win that one tournament, they would probably be replaced with Viking. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. probably. Okay. China is PSG, LGD, eHome, Vici Gaming, Elephant. I have not been watching any Chinese Dota. I don't know if you guys have either. Any thoughts? I um, watch a lot of Chinese Dota. You actually there's do? There's one team that... I forgot who it is, because I have to admit here, I haven't watched it as well, but there's one Chinese team that is just expected to qualify for sure. That could have been one of these four, but I forgot who it is. Uh, right, you probably know Brax. that, then, Brax, if you've been watching. So that. LGD is by far the best. 
Elephant and VG are in the tier 1.5 area. And then I would say uh, it, the next tier, like next teams in line are eHome. And then underneath them would be the RNGs and the IGs, those other teams. And then there's another tier below it as well. So I would say it's, I'm it's, missing it's the team that right. I'm trying to remember. I don't think okay. you mentioned the team I was thinking about. But... There's SAG, who's also like tier 3, 3.5 in this yeah. list, probably. That's a lot of tiers. How many fucking tiers are in China? Jesus Christ. Well, I, I, they're not actually tiers. Like, like these teams can beat each other, and these teams have no hope of beating each other. I see. It's okay. basically how I'm organizing it. Okay. okay. So uh, you think top four from China is correct then, for sure? Yeah, I'd say yeah. it sounds good. Okay. All right, SCA is TNC, Fnatic, T1, and Boom Esports. Any thoughts? SCA is so sad. There was a team, uh, MG, that were winning every single tournament in SCA, and then their players got poached. Um, one of them left for T1, one of them left for Fnatic, and now the remaining players of their team are... I, I don't know if it's Opens or if it's the next... If it's It, it is Opens, I'm pretty sure. So they're they're in opens, which is sad because the way this is set up, they don't have a chance to play Division One until half the you know until the next season, right? There's only two seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they miss fifty percent of the year essentially because of just what happened. That's to me that sounds pretty strange to be honest. So let me make sure I understand the tournament format, right? So there's four directly mm-hmm. in Division One. And what yes. other four teams get into Division One this season? Because it's eight teams, right? So, so that's NA a closed has, qualifier. NA has different rules. There okay. is a closed qualifier for Division Two, and the top of the closed qualifier goes to Division One. And in NA, two people from the open qualifier end up in the closed qualifier to compete for Division One spot. Okay, so but it's sense. not the same in the other regions. So Correct. in SEA, this team that you just mentioned that are in opens, there's a closed qualifier that has no extra slots. That's already determined, but we just don't know who's in it yet. All I know is the people from the opens in SCA have no chance to make it to Division 1. They're okay. only playing for the chance to play in Division 2. So then there has to be a, a stacked closed qualifier that has zero movement. Right. That's what okay. it sounds like. And, and to my knowledge... Haven't changed at all. To my knowledge, and this is why Knoxville, which we'll get to in a minute, is angry... I believe the tournament organizers, aka not Valve, are doing the format of the tournament, and that's why they're all kind of different, right? I think they oh, a yeah, lot of yeah. them a lot of them still have the same rules where top two have to you know go like top two or bottom two of division one go to division two the next like that doesn't change, but everything leading up to it can be different based on I guess what they I don't know if Valve gives the okay I have no idea about that, uh, but let's continue with the teams. So from the CIS region, it's VP. No surprise. They've been dominating recently. Na'Vi, yeah, Team good. Spirit, and Live to Win. Any surprises here? Mm, I think VP and Na'Vi were 100% a lock. Outside of that, I feel like my knowledge of how these other teams place relative to each other is not good enough for this region to say for sure if this is right. But VP, Na'Vi, 100%. The other two do sound like at least deserving candidates. I don't know if there was like a fifth or sixth team that was close. Um, but don't have a problem with that list for sure. Yeah, I'm the same. I only really see VP and Navi at the top, and I don't know how the other teams stack up against each other at all, honestly. 
Okay, South America is SG Esports, Thunder Predator, Infamous, and Beast Coast. Been yeah. seeing all of them play a lot. Uh, there was a tweet yeah. from Tavo, uh, which I guess Brax, you know more than about this than me. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. What happened? Are you gonna read the tweet? <laughs> it's a foot <laughs> longer, so no. <laughs> That's true. It is pretty long. Basically, Tavo has uh, his team is him, HFN, who played at. He is a TI player. He played on Chaos. Um, Mandy, and I don't remember who else is on the team, but basically they're a team that is stuck in the Opens, so they don't have a chance to play Division One until the next season. And they're essentially being... I, I don't want to call it punished, but basically they're in a place in the system where they're basically screwed for not playing the whole break time, basically, the whole COVID-era tournaments. Mm-hmm. Because clearly these COVID tournaments have quite an impact on uh, what teams are seeded into Division One, Division Two, and whatever, right? And uh, you know, SG is the it's the Brazilian team, and they actually changed a player, and they're still in Division One. So I guess that doesn't really matter, right? That they changed the player. And the problem here is the inconsistency that in that region, it's as it just turns out, you should have played. Whereas if you're fortunate enough for NA, you didn't need to play because there weren't enough teams that were in the bidding. Right. And I think for, the biggest issue is that they have zero chance to get to Division One because they weren't even invited to that qualifier. Right. But what's the close qualifier? I'm confused. Like, If this team is not part of the qualifier for the eight Division One spots in essay who is like are we missing something and the fact that we don't like the fact that we're having this conversation is kind of ridiculous right like why is this not like easy to come by and obvious information or am i just stupid i i feel like i have to be stupid too maybe the information's right in front of me i just don't see it but i don't know where it is if it is out there i feel like i should have mentioned this but this is a recording so by the time this will be aired live, it will literally be 24 hours after we've actually talked, and yeah. which is a Monday, which means there's going to be more information probably. So oh, okay. people are going to be tilted listening to this like these <laughs> just read the news. Big time. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, all right, but let's then... let's be real, Shannon. Look mm-hmm. at the the timeline for all this stuff. It's there's all so sudden. Everything is sudden, right? The open right. qualifier dates are announced, and they play extremely soon. And none of this information was known beforehand. And as you guys uh, mentioned, there's even spelling errors in their announcement. <laughs> so clearly Valve wasn't thinking too hard about this one. Or at least communicating it very well. To, I think the comma really gives it us. away. <laughs> I mean, there's actually some truth to that. I know you're memeing, but there's definitely some truth to that. Uh, okay, let's go over the last team and then we can get into the bands and then the Knoxville tweet. And then it'll pretty much cover everything. So the NA division... Yeah is EG, Quincy Crew, Your Team for Zoomers, and Sad Boys, which is, I believe, Fear and PPD back on a team together. That I'm sure that'll work out well. Um, any disagreements here, <laughs> Uh It's quite difficult to name more teams after this, so I think, <laughs> I think they did a good job on this one. Well done, well done. Okay. Uh, and before we get on to Knoxville's tweet, Wickram tweeted this out. The following have been permanently banned from participating in Valve events as of January 1st, 2021. Team Newbie, players Moogie, AQ, Wizard, Wakesy, and Faith. So I 
we're not surprised because this, I don't even know what month this happened in. It was like April or something, May maybe. So why now is because there's actually a DPC. They could have done this literally seven months ago though, right? Yeah, but this way we can lead the players on. So they hope that they don't get punished. And then when it's a week before they have to play, then they know. Uh, Crush their spirits. The ultimate punishment is to play all year and thinking you got away with it, but you didn't. So uh, to be clear, this is for, wait, did he actually mention It's for match fixing. This was a thing we talked about on our yes. podcast months ago. Yeah, we talked uh, about We didn't ago. really hear anything about it afterwards. I actually forgot about it. I literally forgot Newbie was uh, caught match fixing, quote unquote caught. I assume they did some internal investigation. I There's no, as usual, there's no transparency, no you know, details to this at all. They're just banned. What I will say when it comes to match fixing and stuff like this is that I think it's really important that you take the time to do a proper investigation. You never jump the gun when it's about stuff like this. Does that mean it takes nine months or eight months? No, that is not what that means. It can obviously be done faster than that, but I would way rather they make sure the allegations are correct. They double check it. They triple check it. They have multiple sources to it. And then they make the final decision. Um, the fact that that happens now in January is a bit odd to me that it took that long, but I'm glad that it was thorough, at least supposedly. Um, the thing that I, the way I remember it back in April was that we had this comment that kind of sparked the conversation was, I think it was Zhao8 that said on stream, he was like, if this game isn't match fixed, I will literally eat shit on stream. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that kind of, it's funny how that statement is probably the reason the West cares about it as much as they do, because sure. that made a headline, right? That he said that, not mm-hmm. the match fixing itself. Because the sad state of affairs in China is that this is not a one-off, supposedly. Like I'm not very much into the scene, but the there's been other incidences and other teams and leagues where there's just a lot of shady shit going on that doesn't seem good. So making an example out of it for the DPC, I think, is really important. So the fact that there is a team that was meant to play DPC that can clearly just be banned out for it is... It's a good thing. Uh, we can talk about the punishment as we usually do, whether a team should be banned for life for doing whatever they've done. Uh, lifetime ban is fair. I'm assuming this is a lifetime ban uh, from all future Valve stuff, as it has yep, been with yep. other stuff. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, I lost my, the rest of my train of thought. It's fine, though. I, I'm, I'm assuming it is legit. I'm not saying that bans are... like We've talked about... I, I, don't, uh, I don't like the idea of permanent bans, but... Mm-hmm. I, I start to lose faith in people after all this this many years still match fix. How is that even possible? Especially in China, these players are successful. A lot of these players are millionaires. How is that possible? Yeah. How good so... must the deal have been for someone like Faith yeah. to take it? He won TI. You have a legacy of winning fucking TI, and now people are going to remember you as a match fixer. How fucking sad is that? Like, that's actually just so sad. There are organizations that tell you to throw games, that make you throw games. And they make you play in lesser tournaments, in tier 2 small cups that they have their betting sponsors or they host themselves, so that people will bet on them and they'll bet on them and they'll throw the games. Is this a Chinese thing? This happens in China, this happens in SEA, it happens way more frequently than people talk about it for sure Mm. and it probably is at a point where it's so extreme that uh there's probably tons of organizations and sponsors that we aren't familiar with at all 
playing in the tier, you know, lower tier two and tier three right. uh, tournaments and tons of regions in the world that, that do these things. And it's probably much bigger than we truly know it to be. Yeah, I uh, agree. That's my take on it. And it's really hard. Like, if if you're playing basketball and you're match fixing, it's a little, if, I feel like, at least for me, it's more obvious than Dota. It would be harder to distinguish a lot of them, unless they make it mega obvious. But something that we've talked about before, like with uh, some of the South America, like Smash, for example, being banned. It's like I have some sympathy for players like that that I that are from a region and they're not making much money. Like I understand the temptations and being a kid and being dumb. But when it's when you're a literal fucking millionaire, I I start to not have that sympathy anymore. But if there's a culture of what you're talking about and it's bigger than we think, then obviously I don't know everything. So it's hard for me to gauge what it's like to be in that position, you know? So. Shannon, I just wanted to say, I don't know if you've seen Smash's stream on Facebook or anything, but this man is loaded. <laughs> Being banned the single best thing that ever happened in his life. He's actually a celebrity. He's got a, uh, he's got a Mercedes sponsorship. He is the biggest streamer on uh facebook for dota imagine how it's, okay it's answer me this though that's fucking hilarious by the way in south do you think the south american region would be more into dota would it be more popularized if smash was not banned because i mean to if me, he was gonna become like the faker of the south american scene or something right, right. then that would obviously gain huge traction but if you never reach those heights being a streamer and creating content is definitely way more impactful for uh okay i don't feel sorry for smash anymore i did meet him once a long time ago he's very cuddly kid by the way very cuddly this was a long time ago though so okay last question about this i'm curious now let's say he didn't get banned do you think his stream would have been as big as it was as it is now if he was also playing tournaments like do you think his stream is so big because he can consistently stream non-stop or uh Compared to someone like Arteezy, right? Who has a huge stream when he streams, but doesn't stream uh -huh. very often. So I never really paid attention to his stuff back then. So mm -hmm. I have no idea if it was something he was always actively pursuing or if this was like, I can't compete, so I'm going to do this instead. And I'm going to focus all my energy into that because there is the stigma, you know, pro player doing anything than sitting there grinding. Like, it does exist. It, it is very, very real. So I don't know if it was because of that. I, I have no clue, honestly. I I would go off on a limb and say it does help for streaming. Mm -hmm. Like if Arteezy okay. got banned for match fixing today, his stream would be twice as popular. I would pretty much guarantee that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So last topic of today, which we've been teasing all day, and I can't wait to read this one. Whew. It's a spicy one, ladies and gentlemen. So Knoxville, for those that don't know, is a, a stats guy that's been around the scene for a long time. And this is his fun. He, he has can be worked a, Valve events. I think that's important to mention for this. Yes, has honest. worked Valve events, and he does, he's not afraid to speak his mind, which I totally respect. And this is what he he tweeted. It's five tweets. What a brave man. Valve are weaselly little shits. For months, they've abandoned the pro scene except to cash in some juicy battle pass income. Players have got a fraction of the income they'd otherwise have. Teams have fallen apart. Players have stopped playing or taken breaks. Now, just a short time before the season finally comes back, Valve comes up with some opaque concept for how they are determining invites form in a way which totally fucks over people who were not financial who were not a financial position to carry on playing on during COVID. 
Their new system is favorable for many teams at the top, even the ones that were AFK for six months. But it also prevents AFK teams from going he into said Division XD 1. as well. You need to say the XD. XD is being sarcastic. I apologize. Okay. Why? What's the rationale? Remember, there's also no DPC points in Division 2. In some, is that true? I could have sworn there was like a small amount that was announced a long time ago. Anyway, I'll trust him on this one. In summary, the open qualifier format is absolute dog shit in every region. You can't do single limb to determine more than one spot. The lack of transparency and the timing on invites is unacceptable. There's no info for what happens financially if the first major is canceled. Wait, what, what does that mean? There's no info for what happens financially if the first major is... Oh, because of COVID. Okay. Yeah, there's no guarantee still, right? right? It's kind of a hope for sure that you can run this as a LAN. Right. right Valve now. showing for the hundredth time how they don't really care about the well-being of anyone that operates in the scene. The only way Dota 2 lasts long-term is if Valve appoints a not-for-profit third party to manage their esports side. They've shown they are incompetent. <laughs> spicy, Ouch. spicy Do fucking I tweet. Mm. Thoughts, gentlemen. Well, the, the first thing I want to just quickly cover is the qualifier thing. Um, I want to mention at least the open qualifier thing with about the format because that one really stands out to me as just like kind of a basic thing to get mm -hmm. right. Um, if what he writes is true, like I, I haven't double checked all of this, but Knoxville generally knows what he's talking about with uh, with how things are run. But if you have an open qualifier and more than one team qualifies, the reason single limb is a terrible format is that you can't pre-seat the teams into an open qualifier. You don't know how good they are. You can have like a somewhat of an expectation of some teams, but you know, the, the creme de la creme example is OG went through open qualifiers to winning TI, right? Like there are some teams in these opens that are really good and you don't really know. And then there's some teams that are not very good, but you thought they would be amazing. So the, the main point here is when you can't really see teams and there's more than one team making it, you need to do double limb. If it was only one team making it, that's fine. Then they need to win against everyone, right? That's fair enough. But say four teams qualify and it's single limb, you could technically have a situation where the second or where the third and fourth best teams don't qualify because they met the first and second best teams. Well, right? Sindrin, like, you're not taking account of the factor that Valve already thought of this. This is where form comes. Oh. This is... So they're seated into the open qualifiers based on form as well. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I mean, the reason this one really stands out to me is it just feels obvious, right? It just feels so basic. So again, I don't know if this is a fault with the organizer where Valve has just glanced over it and just accepted the format that the organizer put out and not thought about it, or if Valve have put this open qualifier format up. And whoever has done it, I think this is just, I agree, it's terrible. Like you can't, you just can't do that from a fairness perspective. In sports where you have single limb, which a lot of sports have, if it's not a league format, right? Like, so you know, my favorite example, tennis, Shannon. The way you I do single tennis. limb in tennis is that you have a seeding. You have an expectation going in that these are there's a, an official ranking for the year. These are the players that are high ranked. So based on expectation, they should be seeded in this favorable way. But for open qualifiers, how do you do that when it's more than one spot? And on top of that, in tennis, there's only one winner, right? Like there's, there's a champion. And this getting first, second, third, or fourth technically doesn't matter. But you could be, once again, the third or fourth best team and get zero prize because you don't qualify when you obviously deserved it. You just ran into the first seed team in round three, but you didn't know because you weren't seeded. Like, you know, there have actually been some open qualifiers run where they have completely messed up the seeding. 
And yes, you've seen all these issues that you're talking about right here where it just doesn't make any sense. It's such an amateur mistake when it actually happens. And then once it already happens, there's no fix to it. You're just, you get the oopsie. You know, you mm -hmm. ran into the, like, it, it really does screw everything up, to be honest. I think part of the reason it's been cared less about in the past is that when the tournaments have been uh, arranged and teams have been invited, mostly there's been more announced direct invites, right? So the, the expected team pool that goes into the open qualifiers is kind of considered, for the most part anyway, lower quality than all of the direct invites. But now with this big break and the type of teams that go into the open qualifiers, it really begs the question if that's fair or not. OG, they took a calculated risk back then. They knew we're changing our roster. This is the rules. We change roster, we have to play opens. They knew. You know, you, you take that risk. But for this, because of the way it was organized and arranged, it it's just like some of these teams had no idea, right? They go into opens. And some of the teams in the opens are now just going to get squashed. Like, uh, again, let's... Tavo's team is a great example. Let's say they go open qualifiers. There might be a third or fourth best team from that qualifier that meets Tavo's team and loses when... In reality, in terms of strength, they would probably have been a, a close qualifier invite every previous year or every previous season we've had. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just really disconnected. I don't really understand what is going on here. So from my I feel like we've talked about this subject so many times and I've thought about it so many times over the past 10 years of just covering Dota, not to mention how many years before that playing Counter-Strike, which is another Valve game. I, I'm just numb to the whole not being transparent thing with Valve. Because at the end of the day, this is a communication error, which it, are any of us surprised by that? I'm not even remotely surprised. I was, if anything, I'd be surprised if the opposite were true. So, Isn't that the worst part? That, that is the we're worst being part. Being taught to be disappointed. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're being taught to have no expectations. At the end of the day, with the whole COVID, obviously COVID put a wrench into whatever plans Valve originally had, but Cinder and I have talked about this before, hasn't stopped literally other every other developer under the sun to create something in replacement for the content that's been missing, which Valve didn't really do until they finally made a blog post like a month and a half ago, very, very late to the party and that side of things. And then when you're getting into the DPC stuff, being able to invite... Again, I'm not saying inviting EG is incorrect because NA is just a shit show in terms of how many teams, but to say that teams should be in their best form, they have literally not played for four months. That's ridiculous. It's like, at least be clear about it. Teams should know ahead of time. Like, it, just the fact that this hits so many people out of the blue and that it's this messy is <laughs> expected based on how this last year, decade has gone. So... I think the thing that is surprising here is that like, you can say whatever expectations you would usually have for how Valve run things or whatever, but one thing you wouldn't expect is that the format seems worse than the past, right? Yeah, like, I you guess would, that's You would not expect the tournament formats to make mistakes they didn't use to make. And the question here again for me is, is this actually a worse format than we've had on previous tournaments that have had open qualifiers, or does it just stand out now? And this is the same problem we've always had. People have just not cared as much because there's been way more tournaments or the invites have had more teams in them. The close qualifiers have been bigger, uh, you know, whatever it is. Because um, either way, it's super interesting, right? Because to me, this problem has always been there with open qualifiers. We've had this problem forever where the issue is that open qualifiers are supposed to be for up and coming teams. But sometimes there's some really good teams in the opens because some regions are stacked. Like 
CIS open qualifiers are no joke ever. Like the, some of the teams that are invited to the close qualifiers and even end up top three could have easily lost a game in the opens. Like there are some really fierce teams there. So how do you like, how do you see that qualifier? Is it just a bit about luck? Well, the difference between now and back then was you're put in the opens based on roster shuffling, mm-hmm. right? If you changed any player, you'd have to go through opens. And now they've eliminated that, but it's also very... Vague. It's just Exactly, right? You don't actually know what's going on, but it, it is still the same thing. I'm just saying that that was the difference back mm-hmm. then. Like, you knew if you roster shuffled, you'd have to play through opens. But you're right. I mean, I remember watching CIS qualifiers, and it's it's a complete bloodbath. There's like six teams that could win. Mm-hmm. It's actually insane. Okay. Well, that is this last week of news. The DPC is on its way. Drama already stewing up, so excited about all that. Uh, let's finish up this episode with some trivia. What do you say? Oh, Boy, shit. I Here asked Brax for some trivia. I didn't use any of the things he suggested because he really sucked at coming up with trivia about himself. So thank oh, you, you said Brax. I did too, and my suggestions were great. So I think these are... Oh, wait, no. you didn't take his. They would probably have been good then. I didn't take his, They're and I didn't, even, I didn't even ask Cinderin this time because his are always okay. dog shit. Okay, so okay. Cinderin, what are the names of Brax's Twitch subs? I'll give you a multiple choice, unless you can just say it. I can't. You don't watch his stream. Sorry, Brax. Okay. I don't. Is it A, Banana Boat All-Stars? Is it B, Brack Street Boys? Is it C, the Keck W Express? Or is it... (laughs) (laughs) Is it D, he didn't come up with anything because he's too fucking lazy? Oh. This is the no-brainer, Cinder, and you've got this. I mean, if 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 the answer is D, you know which one to make now. Then you'd make the <laughs> Kick W Express, of course. The thing is that Brax could have easily come up with both number two and three. I think I'm gonna go with Brax Street Boys. I feel like I've heard it before, but I could be wrong. <laughs> you are correct. Okay, nice. Kick I made w up Express the Kick W amazing. Express and the Banana Boat All Stars. <laughs> I just want to get credit for that. <laughs> Kick W Express. <laughs> What's the icon going to be? Like a train Trade. with a kick W as the front figure on it? Trademark. That's awesome. Uh, That's Brax, great. what is Cinderin's first name? I don't know how to pronounce Is it Trolls? Is that how you pronounce it? T-R-O-E-L-L-S? It's, Wait, hold on. Before you say it, let me try it one more time. Okay. <clears throat> Pulse. <laughs> is that correct? I mean, Brax was kind of better, actually. Pulse. Pulse. <laughs> Tolls. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, All right, great. very good. Good, good job. Cinderin, Brax's yes. first team, according to Liquipedia, was Quantic. He already answered this question, actually, but we'll see if you were listening. Their roster included 1437, Brax, Universe, and Korok. Who is their position five captain? Panda Gold. Very good. He was a Han boy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he actually, he did, he cast... Yeah, he did cast a bit too. He cast a bit. He actually cast that dream hack that we won against Navi, I think. Oh. I seem to remember that he was casting the finals well, of that. Speaking, Maybe he was some other stuff too. Speaking of that, Brax, in 2012, Cinderin oh, led MTW to a dream hack championship over Navi in the grand finals. <laughs> Who was the co-caster wow. of the can you <laughs> can you name one other player on that MTW squad? Yeah, I can name 
There was Fundy, there was Sokshka, and there was also Kebab. And I don't remember the last player. Oh, you should. You the don't last remember. one is the most you important. You don't remember the last one. Oh, yeah. just kidding. It was it was mad. <laughs> okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> the guy you don't remember is the guy who won two Damn. TIs. Huh? Yeah, okay. All right, pretty freaking good. All right, last question for both of you. Uh, Cinderin, Brax has three cats and a dog. We've seen one of the cats up close and personal episode long. Uh, tell me which of the following is not one of their names. Okay. A, Riley. B, Nunu. Three, or <laughs> I keep saying three instead of <laughs> C. I've done this before. It's weird. C, Ziggy. D, Fluffy. E, Kitty. Okay, so Ryla is a Dota hero. Nunu is a League hero. Then Champion. Ziggy, there's a League hero called Ziggs. So that could also be a League reference. I think that hero might have existed when you played. And what were the last two? Kitty and... Kitty and Fluffy. It's probably between those two. I would imagine you would have taken the hero names. Fluffy and Kitty. I'll say Kitty. Fluffy. <laughs> 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 a cat named Kitty. I hope it's your Hello. dog that's called Kitty. <laughs> I uh, wish. That would be good. What is the dog's name? Your next Rylai called Kick W. Rylai is the dog. It's a um oh what are they called again? Shit. I'm so bad at dog names. What's the breed? A Siberian husky. Yes, yeah, husky. That's a lot of pets. That's right. Well, speaking of pets, Brax, what is Cinderin's dog's name? Is this multiple choice or do I have to guess? <laughs> I'll give you no, it's not multiple choice because we talk about it all the time. It just, it just proves you don't watch this podcast, obviously, which is fine. I can narrow it down for you if you want. Yes, please. All right, it's a vegetable. The English so translation is a, is a vegetable. Is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? Either uh we'll say that's a fruit for your purposes. Okay. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Damn, you're helping giving clues. I mean, technically it is a fruit, so give him four veggies to choose. I've i I've you guys always talk Sandra always says he has to go walk his dog at the end of every single episode, but <laughs> and I've heard the name too. Yeah. But okay. I, I, I can't remember. Uh, you give them multiple choice, Cinderin. Think of four vegetables. Okay, let me think of four. I'll write them down. Yeah, <laughs> very complicated. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I made this so hard for you, Brad. Okay, this okay, I've easy. written down four. Is it so? It's the Danish word for this, but I'll just give you the English word, the English translation. Is it potato, leek, onion, or carrot? <laughs> this was supposed to help me. Those are your multiple <laughs> options. All right, all right. Can you give me the Danish word for these these vegetables? Yeah, I can. Uh, now I need to write them down again. What was it? <laughs> Potato, league, onion, carrot. Okay, so the Danish words would be kartoffel, por, loy, or gulrod. This was even less helpful than the... Uh... <laughs> I'm going to guess B. Which was what? Do you even know wait, what wait, you're wait. choosing? Wait, I need the English words again. Sorry, I'm... I'm... Please, okay, B was leek. Words. So it was potato, leek, onion, or carrot. Onion. Correct. <laughs> Very good. And the Danish word is light. 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 Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of another riveting We Say Things episode. Brax, thanks you. thank you for coming on, my friend. Did we get every question right, Shannon? Is that the first time? 
No, uh, I got one wrong. You got no. Fluffy incorrect. Sorry. That was a hard one. Oh. Very close. I like to put I lost those little again. tricky ones. Yeah, as usual. We need to bring back What oh. the Horse, no doubt. Brax, we where do. can people find you? Do you have any parting words as well? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was great. Um, you guys can find me at the Team NP Mansion. I'm currently locked in the basement, and Envy says I'll be able to get a hamburger from McDonald's off the value menu for doing this, so I'll get to eat tonight. Thank you. Uh, you guys can find me at BraxLikesDota on Twitter.com, Braxton.Pulse on Instagram, um, Braxton911 at Twitch.Television. I've got different links for all my social media, so this is <laughs> terrible. Great. It's, yeah, it's really good. A little it's social bad. 101 for anybody that wants to become a player or personnel in the future. Don't do what Brax has done with the naming conventions. Very, very poor choices all around. Don't but, call your cat kitty. <laughs> you call him call him monkey for sure. Uh, but yeah, check out his stream. Best Dota 2 streamer. Uh, no offense, Cinderin. Thank you again, okay. Brax. Appreciate I can, it. I can take second to Brax. Have a good night, everybody. Have a great week. Until next time, Suns fans, Cinderin, Brax. Signing out. Goodbye. Bye-bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening.